game right here on Monday Night Show. You want a war? You're going to get one. You fans can stick it, brother. Brett screwed Brett. This is bullshit! And I also appreciate the fact that, hell, you can kiss my ass. Hello everyone and welcome to the 96th Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones. Watch out for the shack attack. And Kieran O'Rourke. Sup bitches. And we are back this week for the latest instalment of the Monday Night War timeline covering September of 1998 this week. Uh, typically speaking, if you haven't heard these before, you can of course go back to the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com and uh, catch up on all of our previous shows covering every Nitro and Raw from their designated periods of time with notes from the Wrestling Observer newsletters of that uh, time period to give us some backstage news and notes at the time. Very interesting, very fresh perspective I find as we uh, go back and look at these periods of time. Uh, typically for 1998 we've been doing it in two month increments but uh, as I've been preparing the notes for uh, this next episode September and October uh, this is the kind of the period of time I noticed fellas where it felt like if you missed a week in the world of wrestling the world of passed you by uh, the amount of news and notes there are per week is absolutely insane it's, it's, it's multiplied immensely to the point now where I think that uh, we're going to tackle these in one month increments uh, from this point forward and uh, we're going to be doing it back to back this week and next September and October September this week and now October next week here at SCG Radio so uh, with that said uh, let's kick it off here because we've got a lot of notes to get to of course as we left it at the end of August some Slam was in the books, the highway to hell was over, the ultimate warrior is in WCW, as amidst the bated breath around this oaken table um, and there was actually a, a bit of a question that we had regarding some of the statistics and facts and figures we had for SummerSlam uh, that I said we would get back to, so we're going to kick off first our first note here from the Observer Preliminary estimates are that SummerSlam did an estimated 1.48 buy rate which would be between 500 and 520 thousand buys, uh, WWF also received about 10,000 calls and grossed around $250,000 in merch sales, about half of which was Steve Austin merchandise, the hour after SummerSlam on the Home Shopping Network, if you remember the uh, special they did with the Outlaws hosting, I believe. Uh, but yeah, 1.48 buy rate, 500 to 520,000 buys. I always had the kind of perception that this show did a lot better than that. I always had the number 700,000 in my head, so I don't know if that's the, uh, the final tally, because if that's the final number, then I think Rock and Brock beat that in 2002. Uh, interestingly enough, I always thought this was the uh, the, the best, uh, most successful SummerSlam of all time. But um, another note here, we were talking about the Warriors just a second ago. Conan, Disco Inferno, and Juventud Guerrera were all banged up on last week's Nitro, taking bumps unknowingly on the part of the ring where the trap door was set up for the Warriors' disappearing act. Well, you know, once bitten, twice shy. I'm, I'm sure they're going to learn from that. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's one thing we, we found from WCW during these timelines... Oh, they learn from their mistakes. They certainly do. Um, a couple of... Uh, Dower notes here Jim Duggan was diagnosed with cancer uh, first week of September here and had one of his kidneys removed in an operation on September 4th and uh, Ultimo Dragon suffered an infection and several other complications coming up his recent elbow surgery he was given an opinion this past week from a doctor in Japan that he may never return to the ring uh, the surgery was believed to be somewhat routine and only require about one month of downtime but uh, sadly this is the end of Ultimo in WCW I was going to say if, if, if memory served me correctly we don't see him again until his Let's call it ill-fated <laughs> WWE run in uh, 2003. Uh, we moved to the first show of this period of time. Um, there was no Raw the night after SummerSlam. It was bumped to Saturday due to the US Open uh, for a couple of weeks. So this is Saturday, Raw September 5th. Uh, a beautiful time slot here, 11pm to 1am. They got the pleasure of putting this show on. Uh, Vince did an interview uh, at the start of the show announcing his master plan to get the belt off Steve Austin and called The Undertaker stupid for sending Kane to the back at SummerSlam. Uh, he called Kane The Undertaker 
Undertaker's retarded brother and said none of the WF wrestlers were afraid of them anymore and called them a pair of putrid pussies. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is a, it's a taped show. It's an interesting, it's a weird one, this. Um, during this period of time, I distinctly remember wondering what the hell happened to Raw for a couple of weeks after SummerSlam. And uh, looking back, I feel kind of validated in that opinion because this show's fucking horrible. Pretty much every match on this show has The Undertaker and Kane running in and choke slamming everybody, and it's just this is one of those horrible filler episodes, if ever there was one. Uh, no Austin as well. No right? Austin yeah. at all. It was, yeah, it really did. Uh, it was in the middle of, a, of the war, this is, uh, and I'm sure that the ratings will uh, show this out, but uh, yeah, I fancied WCW for a couple of weeks because these shows were fucking horrible. They were fucking horrible shows, and again, the time slot, they're right, they're not, they're not, that, uh, you know, Nitro's got a couple of weeks unopposed. At a time, I should actually clarify, as we, as we talked about that last period, it's, this is very much back and forth. It is, but I suppose, to an extent, you can understand why they're... I'm, I'm not going to defend the shows themselves, because, yeah, they, were, they weren't easy to watch, but um, in, in the context of the, of the war, I, I can understand it in the, that, with that notion of keeping your powder dry. You know, why go balls to the wall for shows that are in a horrible time slot? Save your important stuff, or what you feel will be your more important stuff, for when you're actually going head-to-head with them. I'm very curious to see... Uh, I'm sure you'll explain to us now, Liam, how WCW decided to combat these <laughs> these unopposed hours. Did they, did, how did they seek to capitalise on it? Well, we'll get to that. There's a couple of notes on this one I wanted to get to, though. Um, a very strange thing with Tiger Ali seeing Abu. This is when Tiger's doing his... Babu. Is it Babu at this point? Babu. Uh, it, it, it is Babu. Uh, oh, at first it was Abu, wasn't it? They changed the guy. Because I think El Porto Vicano ended up being the guy that got the job in the end. But um, so they, yeah, he's doing his poor man's million dollar man gimmick. Uh, $500 for a kiss from a fan in the crowd for uh, Babu, who was eating sardines. sardines. Yeah, uh, the fans live, of course, they taped this on the Monday. The fans were chatting, show your tits live. Uh, so the, she, she lifted her top three times and Babu started kissing her tits. Oh, I didn't see that. They edited it off, of course. Because uh, she comes out and she's got like a see-through top on, and she? Yes. See like a nipple piercing, and if you look closely. Um, <laughs> Which I'm sure you did. In the interest of journalism. And freeze frame? Yeah, so. It's true with VHS, though, kind of, you know, you get that little. Flip back yeah. and forth. And, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a gift for younger fans who don't know what VHS is. ICP with the oddities get beaten up, so that brought a smile to my face. I'm sure it did to yours as well, Carl. Oh, yes. And the main event of this show is Scorpio and Jeff Jarrett going on last, featuring a very bizarre line from Jerry Lawler in which he refers to Jarrett's new crew cut after SummerSlam, saying he now looks like Jill, which of course is Jeff Jarrett's wife who had breast cancer and had gone through chemotherapy. So, a very peculiar line there from Lawler, very tasteless to anyone that did know. So I don't know what the point of that was, but uh, yeah, but, but it kind of caught me ajar. Uh, the big, the big news on the show, the, the only real newsworthy thing on this whole show, is uh, when Kane and Taker do their shtick to D'Lo. The Rock runs down to attack Taker and defend D'Lo, and D'Lo bolts. And, what uh, a piece of shit! <laughs> <laughs> and Taker and Kane lay out the Rock, which uh, obviously Rock has been mega heel before uh, up to this point. So this is the uh, this start of a very interesting month or two for our boy Dwayne. Yeah, certainly it seems to. Um a follow-on from from that night at SummerSlam, because we can we, you can talk about how you know, SummerSlam was a New York crowd, and that's and they can sometimes react a bit differently to heels or, or certain personalities, not not a, a sort of a sweeping across the board, cheer the heel, boo the faces, anything like that. It's that sense of that that turn with the Rock in terms of the audience's mind, and you can sometimes wonder: is it just New York? Is it isolated? You do see as these weeks progress. The cheers get louder and louder, and I think they they tend to peak by the time you get to uh, to breakdown. But uh, 
I digress. Indeed. Uh, Raw, ratings-wise, for this wonderful 11pm to 1am effort, did a 2.6. Very good for that time slot. Uh, of course, since uh, Sunday Night Heat was going at this time and airs at 6.30 on Sunday, uh, and we'll have more views, they concentrated all the important stuff on Heat this week, the day afterwards, uh, which is where Vince Man announced the triple threat match for the title, Austin Taker Kane, as the main event of Breakdown. We, we can talk about it being a bad time slot because of the preemption. We can talk about it not being a particularly good show, but even so, a, a 2.6 on the surface, you think, doesn't compare well to previous ratings during this period. But if we just, you know, cast our minds back to the dark days of 96 and 97, when, it, you know, some weeks a 2.6 would have been a very, very strong rating. How about casting your mind to the dark days of 2016, <laughs> where a 2.6 on any day would be a, 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 a breakthrough for WWE? Well, we're all living that hell right now. I like to think of these... <laughs> I, I like to think of these podcasts as, as an escape from the uh, the rigours of modern day wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for a bit of uh, inside notes here, Ed Ferrara is the new third man uh, alongside Vincent Mann and Vince Russo that are currently writing Raw. There is a much larger circle of about a dozen people, says Meltzer, who regularly submit ideas that are used on TV. The brains behind Nitro at this point appear to be Eric Bischoff, former child actor Jason Hervey for some reason, Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. Uh, Was he referred to in the back as Das Wunder Years? <laughs> Very good. Uh, Nitro remains amazingly disorganised to the point where the show changes frequently while it's on the air. So uh, this is, of course, now the chaos period that we're uh, talking about for WCW. Write it on the back of a fag packet. <laughs> uh, we go now to the first uh, unopposed Nitro of this uh, of this month that we're going to discuss today, September 7th. Uh, the show opens with the ultimate warrior graffiti in Hogan's locker room and Scott Norton and Brian Adams supposedly laid out and being taken to the hospital in an ambulance. Uh, Hogan then comes out with his, uh, his boys and says that either the disciple or the giant would lay out warrior before the end of the show and challenge him to show up. Uh, Hogan also said that Bret Hart would be replaced by the giant in war games uh, however later in the show to add to this wonderful confusion J.J. Uh, Dillon said it was Brett's name on the contract so it would be Brett in war games of course this, there's an issue going on with Brett on Nitro at the moment where he's kind of siding he's trying to get Sting's trust he's kind of seeing things Sting's way and he's, yeah, they're kind of telling the story that Brett's being misled by Hogan that's what Brett's up to we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out later on um yeah, DDP comes out and brought up joining the Wolf Pack and basically acted like he wasn't going to do it. Uh, the fans reacted to Page as the heel when he confronted the Wolf Pack. Uh, Sting challenged Page to a tag match later in the show and told him to pick Roddy Piper as his partner. Page then asked for Kevin Nash to be Sting's partner, and when Page cut the promo on Nash, DDP was booed once again. The original plan at this point was for Sting and Nash to be a team in the main event, but as the show went on, the angle was changed backstage, where Nash would interfere in the finish, but Luger would do the match. Big Kev really earning his money here, uh, just kind of, <laughs> what do you say? Well, you know, you, Big Kev had enough self-awareness to realise this match needs a little bit more work rate, and I'm not the guy to deliver it. Wax? But I know who we are. <laughs> Let's call him the Express. Well, to be honest, if, you, if you're him or Conan as the choices, you, you probably would lean towards... Uh... Get out caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is sad. Bret Hart came out to no music and little fanfare, but mostly booze. This was referenced a couple of weeks ago. I was say, this is the one I referenced where he's just sort of dragging the US title down. <laughs> Guts hanging over his jeans. <laughs> and you just think, they haven't even had him a full year. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be honest, we've spoken about Bret's 
more already than I expected to the entirety of this podcast. Underused and an extension of that ends up he's uninspired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hart is surrounded by Vincent, Kurt Hennig and Stevie Ray and apparently this is a threat for the uh, former five-time WWF champion. Um, Sting comes out the NWO guys leave. Uh, Brett went to high-five Sting and Sting wouldn't do it. He then gave Brett the ball bat and turned his back. Brett didn't hit him and threw down the bat but the fans still didn't cheer him even though they're going very hard here and trying to get Brett as a, uh, a baby face past couple of weeks. Uh, Milenko beat Kurt Hennig in a cage match by DQ when the NWO ran in. As they went to slam the cage door on Milenko... cage match Yeah, with a DQ. DQ. Rude runs in and, and lays out Milenko. Uh, as they went to slam the cage door on Milenko's head, Arn Anderson ran in in what was easily the biggest pop and best thing on the show. Uh, this is absolutely fantastic. Arn, who hasn't been seen in, in, in a decent little while in, in terms of anything physical, comes out, rips his shirt off, he's just wearing a vest and his, and his jeans and he's just fucking throwing these great punches and just beating the shit out of people. It's like, Double A! He's still got something in the tank. He's, yeah, he's, he is fantastic here. May I ask, was this cage match, was it the main event? Uh, no, it was not. Well, that, oh, that defies all logic then. Because I was going to say that although, <laughs> to most, you know, most people a DQ in a cage match would seem rather obtuse. However, in WCW, there's the main event rule where no matter what the match is, even if it's no DQ, you can be DQ'd <laughs> if it's the main event. It is therefore the main yeah. yeah. Eligible for disqualification. Yeah. It's like every main event in UFC has to be five rounds. Yes. It's like every main event you have to be able to get DQ'd. In and quite easily. Yeah, especially, especially, yeah, especially yeah. if it's a no DQ match. <laughs> there, there is no clean finish and we must go off air during the melee. Yeah, that, that is always another good one here uh, and we'll get to that in a second actually. Uh, after that, Goldberg beats Scott Putzky with a jackhammer in 52 seconds. So that's what Goldberg's doing. After all this fucking, after all the momentum of beating Hogan in the Georgia Dome, 52 seconds against fucking Polish Powers, son. <laughs> um, more matches like this and the anti-Goldberg backlash will pile up a lot of momentum, says Meltzer. Uh, the main event match on the show is Piper and Page against Sting and Luger, as mentioned earlier on, which does, of course, end in a DQ when Kevin Nash interferes, posts Roddy Piper and Jack Knives Nash. So he basically wanted to look like he was going over without doing any work. Was him, just to go back to Goldie. Um, yes. Was was that for the title? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Lots, I think that's the bigger indictment. All these fucking no marks <laughs> getting title shots. Apparently. Yeah. Al Green got one at one point that around was this the one time. I was yeah. The main event segment, of course, was Hulk Hogan demanding the Ultimate Warrior face the Giant in the cage from before, which they lowered. Uh, the steam came flying, and when it cleared, Giant was asleep. Warrior was <laughs> sitting in a chair in the ring, and Hogan ran away. Although not before doing a sequence where Hogan missed a chair shot, and uh, Warrior hit Hogan with a chair shot that was just fucking awful. And uh, Bischoff and the troops ran out. The steam comes, and Warrior disappears again into the night to end the show. Uh, Nitro does a 5.5 unopposed. Uh, the peak was a 6.2 for the Malenko Kurt in a cage match and post-match situation involving Arn Anderson. Uh, Piper and Page versus Sting and Luke did a 6.0 and Goldberg versus Putski did a 5.5. So uh, there's the uh, comparison ratings wise for the individual segments unopposed this uh, week. Uh, I suppose Putski can always, you know, put that in, in the bank as a bit of cachet. <laughs> I drew 5.5. Yeah. What, have you, what <laughs> have you ever done, Kevin Owens? <laughs> My world title shot got me a 5. Benoit, Chris Benoit was at Nitro and very unhappy since he was flown in, then told he wasn't going to be part of the show. Uh, he's about four weeks away from being able to wrestle again anyway, and while he hasn't signed, the odds are that if the Horseman deal doesn't flop, he's going to sign uh, his new contract with WCW because of the guaranteed money. Uh, Jim Neidhart was arrested following Nitro and charged with writing a bad check of $174 to a public supermarket in 1996. I saw that and I had to have a little chuckle. Uh, yeah, I, I was just hoping you were going to say he was just arrested for crimes against wrestling. Or well, crimes against fashion for the SummerSlam 94 apparel. That would be pretty good. 
don't point your finger at me. There was some comedy value to that. And besides, <laughs> bearing in mind what the bulldog was wearing in that crowd as well. <laughs> the situation with Ric Flair is that he will return to WCW next week unless the decision is made to bring him out as a, as a surprise on the Fall Brawl pay-per-view. At press time, Flair has not dropped his lawsuit against WCW trying to get out of his contract, nor has WCW dropped its lawsuit against Flair. While they were not the deciding factor, it is said that comments from The Undertaker and from a lesser extent Triple H regarding him being too old did play a part in Flair's decision to stay with WCW. So uh, there you go, nature's staying in uh, WCW by the looks of it. Uh, Bischoff's perspective on this whole situation from a recent interview was, uh, Ric Flair had agreed that at any time, if he ever wanted any time off, that his request would come in writing so that we'd have the opportunity to schedule his time off accordingly. His agents are being deposed next week and will testify to that. Ric Flair made a decision. I had to draw a line and say, okay, am I going to let Ric Flair get away with this so that another 130 people that I have under contract realise that at any time they don't want to show up for a show, they can basically just stick it to WCW? WCW a no-show, or do I draw a line and make people realise that there's policies, there's procedures, there's agreements, this is a business, and we have to act professionally and responsibly, says Eric Bischoff. That company's going to be turned around in terms of organisation from this point forward. <laughs> it's a root and branch procedure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting one here, WCW nearly had a deal with Sky Box Office here in the UK to air their pay-per-view shows in England, uh, but it fell through since it would be a Turner company doing business with a Rupert Murdoch company, and the big wigs uh, next the negotiations over that issue so we were deprived of seeing Four Brawl <laughs> which we'll come to shortly but uh, again I was quite depressed that we never got to see WWE's pay-views at the time unless you're watching uh, DSF uh, that, that, that lost uh, that lost gem of a station it's uh, okay. 9sex 9sex okay. <laughs> episodes of WCW into you know spliced in between porn <laughs> and blue mini matches if I recall correctly from ECW <laughs> after the SummerSlam angle uh, with Mick Foley getting the, uh, the sledgehammer in the face from Kane he's currently scheduled to return as Cactus Jack uh, which he obviously does not do and it's actually his call not to but uh, I'm not really sure if Cactus Jack would have fit in around this period of time so I think he probably made a good call here definitely better doing what he did being there Mankind with the dude thing, the dude shirt so you can see the you know the the um, kind of the, the synergy of the characters if you will lots of referrals to him as Foley by, by JR as well so they're really getting over who he that's the big yeah, the, the, sort of the, the, the personification if, if you like is sort of you know, it, it, it's taken hold at this point and it, it's not sort of looked at as mankind in the abstract as it, it is Mick Foley and it's sort of you know, as you rightly point out Kieran it's referenced by JR here and there and it's all sort of blended in uh, besides and I think he, he's been he's talked about this himself um, since this time period bear in mind he, you know, the turn of the year he was, he'd gone from, from Mankind to Cactus Jack to Dude Love back to Mankind and this is all in an 8 month span so then if you, you know, if, if you were to keep splicing in between the alter egos everything, honest, everything just means less and less that way would you, what do you think of the kind of perspective that every time he did a character switch it seemed like he was getting less and less over with each switch at first, when he when he first did the switch, like I mean, as mankind, he was floundering for a little bit as the kind of lackey, uh, kind of yeah, the, the top guy lackey. It wasn't until around this period of time I thought they really started getting his traction. I back. was going to say, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it previously, but really up until yeah, I'd say this month, he's always seemed a very secondary character, not yeah. a big boy, almost cold at points. Oh yeah, and sometimes be out, yeah, exactly, never the focus. He'd be out there, he's, he, yeah, as, as you say, the flunky sitting in the corner, occasionally rocking, with no focus on him. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was. But 
saying that I said before we went on there, he was. I thought he was absolutely hilarious this month. Oh, he was. I, I think he was superb during this month. Yeah. Uh, Scott Stein has five compressed discs in his back, and there's a lot of questions to how full of recovery he'll actually be able to make. Uh, it was clear from TV this week that he's nowhere near close to being ready to work a singles match. So this starts the pretty much the generation of Scott Steiner's physical uh, abilities. Uh, pretty much from here on in and uh, what you see on Nitro pretty much all this month is that he just destroys guys and doesn't really have to do all that much doing it but he starts to look pretty ace just murdering fools uh, with uh, Terry Taylor and Kevin Sullivan losing some of their influence the Meng push will probably die down as they always thought more highly of him than others this of course being a reference to on the last time on the episode we had Goldberg Meng which did a big rating and people somehow justified that as well Meng's money <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, people disagreed, and uh, Meng never saw that kind of perspective again. He's got a tongue and death grip on the audience, Liam. You just don't appreciate <laughs> it. Do you think he like he went? He took it to like Bischoff and folks backstage and said, "Look at that! Look at the rating I did!" And, like no one had the balls to say otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah but there were extenuating circumstances. Yeah, Meng, no, no <laughs> Mister Meng, no, 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 no. You got it, you got it all wrong, Ikeun. It wasn't Haku preaching to the uh, preaching to the choir. Here. Mike Graham had all the breakdowns he had all the numbers <laughs> and he had an office next door to Bischoff so all he had to do was just slide him under the door with a little you know, red mark around it that's all that was needed with an arrow saying this one's my idea yep this one's my idea this one's my idea oh I, I, I imagine it's like Haku would send Bischoff like a Christmas card with him holding someone's eyeball or something <laughs> <laughs> Bischoff would just shit himself yeah. Yeah. this is you if I don't get a push <laughs> Bart Gunn suffered an elbow injury during the brawl for and the force on his elbow jarring so many heads so that's apparently the reason given here for uh, Bart Gunn not being used that's the WWE's explanation for why he's not being used during this period of time The Sandman officially signed a three year contract for $200,000 per year with WCW on September 8th and is expected to start in a few weeks It is believed that Raven and DDP got him into WCW and may be able to protect him as far as him not jobbing out at the start So Well we'll see about that but didn't this just seem like the most bizarre signing? Like, you can't imagine, like, the WCO. Sandman. Enter Sandman. Barbed wire. Smoking. Cane. Fags. You know, like... On, on Turner Network television. Yeah, like, this just, how, this just doesn't really seem like it's a, it's a natural fit at all. So, yeah, this, this was a peculiar one at the time. He, he's, he's being paid that six-figure sum. And... I don't know if we'll get to it in later timelines, but I'll reference it here just to you know, to <laughs> emphasise the, the the lack of organisation within WCW's ranks. By the time he's let go, which is what summer of '99, yes. or maybe autumn '99, slightly later on in the year, not long after that, um, the uh, the hardcore match in the, in the, the junkyard the, battle royal. That's the one, junkyard battle royal, which you know nearly killed several careers. Um, he was still being paid months after that. He was taking. Two paychecks, one from ECW <laughs> and one from WCW. Oh, I love it. A paycheck of ECW. Yeah, that's probably harder to combine. That's more yeah. baffling. Yeah. Uh, Dude, I get a paycheck of WCW still. <laughs> <laughs> the giant was arraigned on September 9th and released later that day, stemming from his punching and breaking the jaw of uh, Robert Sawyer Jr., aged 29, at the Marriott Hotel in Uniondale after the June 15th Nitro show. Sawyer was alleged to have started trouble first with Kevin Nash, who simply walked away from the problem because he probably couldn't be bothered to do anything, uh, and then started with the giants and began provoking him until the giant retaliated by punching him in the face and sending him scurrying. 
So this begins a uh, again. Just keep your ear out for the giant. There's a few legal issues with this uh, with this gentleman that got kind of swept under the rug in recent times. Uh, we're back on Raw again Saturday, September 12th. A little bit better of a time slot here, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And God, there's some shitty matches on this show. Bradshaw draws Mark Mero versus McGill Perez. Oddities versus DOA. Oh God. Too much versus Southern Justice. And Vader pinning Dustin Runnels uh, after a distraction from Val Venus in the crowd who's holding a sign saying, I have come. Uh, basically, after Dustin Runnels has been doing his, he's coming back. Yeah. The allusion to the God uh, deal that he's been doing on TV recently. Just judging by the matches, I can't imagine this did a... This must have done a worse number than the 2.6. <laughs> we'll get to it, we'll get to it. This match, I think this is... Yeah, it must have been because Triple H didn't work many matches to do this much. No, no. Um... Like he, he, oh, because of his gummy knee. Whatever. He, he insists on wearing his and his fucking Kangol hat. Or his, oh uh, yeah, that hideous hat that he wore at right. the time in '98. I will say, maybe a couple of years before this, I bought a Kangol hat like that. But <laughs> I realised I look a dick in it. I looked a dick in it, so I never wore it. No. Triple H insists on wrestling with it on national television. When it falls off, he puts it back on. Stand on the apron. <laughs> What a twat. <laughs> How cool is that guy? Um, Al Snow appears on this show for the first time in quite a while and wants to see Vince McMahon, the Stooges, come out and uh, Pat Patterson gets head to the balls, I wrote down here. Rocky Maivia did an interview to an 85% babyface reaction challenging both Undertaker and Kane on this show. So this is, again, the wheels really in motion here. It's quite obvious from the, the way, again, Rock's looking around and like, little sort of acknowledgements that he's hearing them as they're cheering for him. It's like, I, I love watching this. Again, this is the period of time where it's, it's the forbidden fruit, you know? It's, it's, it's that we're not supposed to cheer him, but goddamn, we want to, because he's so great. Well, it's like coming off SummerSlam when uh, he was guarding like everyone. Finally, the appreciation of how great this man is. Oh, but he lost. Will he get elevated? And this is like the start of like kind of appreciation of booking, really. Yeah. Oh, he's mixing with... Uh, I don't know, he's mixing with Taker and Kane. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, this unfolds. Yeah, a bit of elevation here. Quite interesting. As we mentioned, DX over Kind Time in the main event. After the match, a plant in the crowd, a local stripper, took off her top and then off her pants to reveal a thong. So this is, again, WWF we talked about before. Slee, sex, all over the show. Can't be can't be ignored. Swearing all over the place, you know. Um, and we were remiss as well to um, forget that Kind Tai, equivalent to the crotch chop, is um, kind of doing like a choppy choppy <laughs> sign over their dicks. Like. Yeah. Fucking awesome. There was actually, earlier in the year, there was one where they would do like a, a double elbow and then pretend they were all jerking off on the guy's face. <laughs> Okake! <laughs> Classic. Uh, Raw did do another 2.6 this week. Uh, however, the number is not nearly as impressive as last week because obviously they had a much better slot this week and did the same number. So uh, not quite as impressive here on Saturday night. Uh, Nitro in the UK uh, still goes head-to-head with Raw and it's a dead heat in terms of the audience. Uh, on September 4th, Nitro had 350,000 homes to uh, Raw's 340,000. On September 11th, Raw had 330,000 to Nitro's 320. So going back and forth, very little difference between the two uh, shows at this point over here in uh, Blighty. The fact Bill Goldberg is Jewish has become a tremendous PR coup for WCW. Uh, there are many important media power brokers that are Jewish and for that reason the idea of a Jewish world heavyweight champion is one they're willing to do stories on. Goldberg has been getting several stories a week around the country in major newspapers with more to come and this past week there was even in the New Yorker a story with a rabbi and his daughter watching wrestling every Monday night specifically to see Bill Goldberg. Uh, Spin Magazine is also working on a Goldberg piece. What about Raven? <laughs> 
this is actually I didn't put this in here for no reason this actually does tie into a, a fantastic note later in this episode which we'll get to uh, the movie on Bret Hart and the Survivor Series main event from last year called Wrestling with Shadows is almost completed uh, the movie will air on TV in the US around December and will be released to video much sooner but uh, they've sent the copies to the WWF uh, for their perusal again more interesting notes on this to come but uh, what was everyone's thoughts on Wrestling with Shadows when this was first seen by our younger eyes I'm actually curious of course I think probably what's most striking to me, um, so as, as a football fan who's used to that tribal element in, in sports, of soccer for any of our US listeners when I say football, sort of the, the tribal element that's involved at, at football grounds and you see it in the segregation of the crowd, it's that sense that you get from this documentary because obviously it's, it's filmed during the peak of the crisscrossing between America and Canada and the... In, the um, the spotlights on the fans during that period is something that I always found quite quite striking, just because it was sort of the the, <laughs> ne- the nearest association I could get to a football atmosphere yeah. at that time. What about that woman who loved Bret Hart because uh, she inspired him to get the Korean computer graphics? <laughs> I knew you were gonna. As soon as, <laughs> as, soon as I mentioned the, the the fans, I knew you were bring that up. Between between that episode of the of Nitro from the Georgia Dome where they interviewed the fans about who was going to win between Goldberg and Hogan, but did you pay for your ticket? Hell no, I'm going for free. <laughs> Some of these fucking ball cuts and road triple Z and their reactions to hey, they said that we suck first, so they suck. You know what I mean? Like ah, oh, that, that's not sticks with me. The big thing, obviously, the big main takeaway is that Vince does come off looking awful, and Brett does very much seem vindicated for his story. Uh, here in Wrestling with Shadows. Uh, WF has produced a very limited quantity of Austin Rules Goldberg Sucks t-shirts for sale at uh, major malls around the country. I don't know how they got away with that. This is the time as well, Austin had that skeleton uh, on the front and on the back, bad to the bombs. Yeah. What's that, <laughs> yes. What does that mean? I thought the same thing when I was watching on TV last night, bad to the bombs. It's like, if you put, was it, if you put, Vince Russo wrote the t-shirt. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dan Seven apparently complained to Jim Ross about not being allowed to bring his NWA and UFC belts to the ring and not being acknowledged as the NWA champion anymore, which was a Russo decision. Uh, we're told the decision may be changed. Uh, I'll come back to this one on a, a curious note from Dave later on uh, there is no target date for Shawn Michaels return to the ring at the moment other than guesses of towards the end of the year maybe beginning of next year he's down quite a bit in weight right now uh, there are many ideas that have been thrown around but none are locked in stone about whether he'll feud with DX or be in DX not long to go Kieran not long yeah. just round the corner he'll be back soon in that ring Stephen Regal will be brought back to the September <laughs> WWF training camp to work on his physique and conditioning for a restart. They want him to tighten up his upper body. Vader dropped weight from the high 370s down to about 345. Undertaker's dropped from 330 to 315. They want Mark Henry, who's about 385, to drop to 340 so he'll have a better physique and be more mobile. So, a uh, real, real fat-busting exercise here in uh, WWE. Just that notion of hearing to work on the upper body... Vince in the back this was so much easier when Zahorian wasn't in prison (laughs) (laughs) the draft business is incredible at the house shows lately September 11th in Calgary drew the biggest crowd in the history of pro wrestling in that city at 14,017 fans Uh, September 12th in Seattle did another sellout 15,076 fans and uh, September 13th in Anaheim did a sellout of 10,000 fans so again this is the period now where sellouts on the house shows are becoming a lot more regular yeah, and you just think about those numbers in, in contrast to how cold the business was during the <coughs> during the diesel title round. So, oh yeah, with three thousand a pop. You say with ninety five bearing mind it's the start of the war, and WS house shows are doing at most four thousand for an 
for for yeah for sort of a monthly slot the best they're getting during that 12 month period is 4,000 yeah at most I mean and it dips to there were a lot of dips lower than the 3,000 mark during that year uh, September 13th it's WCW Fall Brawl. Sadly, not on Skybox Office. 11,528 fans sat at the building, a 0.7 buy rate for 245,000 buyers. Going to be a disappointing number considering it's Warriors' first advertised match in WCW. Uh, whether Fall Brawl set a new standard for awful in pay-per-view is a debatable issue. What isn't debatable is it was near the top of any list of the worst pay-per-view wrestling shows ever, says Dave Meltzer. Uh, in the Observer fan vote, the second best match on the show was Chris Jericho versus the fake Goldberg <laughs> in the uh, Spinal Tap uh, spoof when he can't find the ring, which is just awesome. The fireworks supposed to go off and there's nothing there and he starts kicking them. At one point he just breaks down and screams, What's the ring? <laughs> which is awesome. Fake Goldberg comes out and spears him and then he actually puts him in the walls of Jericho Lion Tamer to, uh, to, to wrap it up. Uh, but this show featured a main event so bad, says Meltzer, it was even worse than people's imaginations would have been for the Jay Leno match. Uh, with the possible exception of the Triple Decker Cage match a few years back on Uncensored and perhaps some Andre the Giant matches near the end, this may have been the worst pay-per-view main event of all time. About 20 minutes of bad wrestling made worse by a finish that simply defied description. So this is where, and we're gonna lazy journalism, Meltzer. <laughs> this is one of the this is one of the worst matches WWE ever committed to television. This is the nine man war games match as Carl buries his face in his hands. It's just it's the hideous nature of it. Even if you don't take into account Stevie Ray and his slapjack, <laughs> which is all over this fucking match. It goes on so long. The, the crowd's dead. I'm watching that Bret Hart DDP section feeling sorry for Bret because this crowd does not care. The actual execution of everything in this match is so awful. Random guys coming in. The match can supposedly end at any time. It's not submission. It's not team-based. When they get to the title shot, Halloween Havoc against Goldberg because Scott Putzky's busy that day, I suppose. <laughs> a war games that isn't team-based. No, yes. Yeah. First first pin wins. A fucking war, though. <laughs> well, yeah, why do you think Steve Ray's in there? Someone's got to do the job out of this illustrious crop. Ah, uh, first pin, okay. Uh, Warrior appears in the ring. Yes, Warrior. Then disappears. In a cloud of smoke. And then appears on the outside. Yes. Then Ma- he makes an, sort of an official entrance to the ring. But then gets lo- locked in the ring. Yes. Even though he has magical powers to escape the ring in a cloud of smoke. And has to kick out, yes. Yeah. Okay, just. That is correct, yeah. <clears throat> no, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it, does it? It's that much of a clusterfuck. I'm, I'm amazed that we remember as much as we do. Um, Kevin Nash <laughs> asleep for about 15 minutes at the end of the end of this match. An inspired performance from Big Kevin as he lies there, completely comatose in the corner. This, this, this could have been any month for him. <laughs> in terms of Warriors magic, one can only assume it's like you know you've got like a power gauge for magic. I mean, oh, I see. Personally, I'm, I don't have any magic power. So, mm. but if you know if it is a power gauge and you use up all your magic, you've got to wait for it to refill. And obviously. The mm. warrior, or warrior, warrior, whatever his official name was in real yes. life, um, he was just waiting for his magic gaze to recharge. Well, it, it depends how quickly you can get the drugs into the syringe. <laughs> that would explain why allegedly. That would explain why Fantasia never came back. He used it all on that first go. Uh, but I do <laughs> think that it's, a, it's actually an interesting thing to mention here. Obviously, we mentioned you know, warrior kicks out the cage, twists his ankle on his landing, tears his bicep trying to climb the cage. Fucking horrible stuff in the middle of this clusterfuck. Hulk Hogan and Steve Ray turn on Bret Hart and the announcers completely miss it and they're like yeah there's some teamwork Hogan and Steve Ray beating up Bret <laughs> like completely miss that they've just beaten up their own guy it's like oh it's a complete disaster DDP wins the crowd doesn't care they start throwing stuff at the announcers it's hilarious but what a disaster um, the, again a bad show all round Buff Bagwell does a fake neck injury angle on this show again the crowd doesn't buy it one bit 
they do the whole let's take him to the ambulance and they both jump out the ambulance Steiner and Bagel to, uh, to attack the gullible Rick Steiner uh, in the feud that won't end never ending never ending and uh, Raven and Sam do have a very very good match though on this show uh, it's a bit of a forgotten one the first half's a little slow but one of my favourite dog and pony show here for the finish and Saturn is no longer subservient to Lodi who's subservient to Raven am I no, correct? the whole flock is free as a result of this uh, win from Saturn despite the fact that at no point did any other members of the flock really claim to want to be free Kidman does turn early so I guess he's the only one. He, he, he drop kicks Raven in the middle of this match. Uh, yes, yes, I suppose it's easy for me to get after all. You know, he's a flea market champion. <laughs> uh, this week's version of the biggest Monday night in history was among the best. Both sides were keen to present a hot show this week after Raw was preempted for two weeks. So it's head to head. September 14th, Raw and Nitro. We'll kick it off with Nitro first because Ric Flair is back and so is the Four Horsemen. Woo! One of my favourite segments in WCW uh, Nitro was, history. Was was that a Flair impression, or have you jumped the gun and you're doing your Shane McMahon on commentary impression? Oh, that's the, we'll get was, to that. I was having a stroke. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. They build this up all show. They're trying to get the word that if Flair's there. They send Tanay there to try and get an interview with the limousine. Uh, and whilst he's inexplicably holding the microphone up to each window pane as it drives past, <laughs> as, if, as if the window's going to talk to him. Well, yeah, maybe you can just hear the woo through the, winds, yeah, through the windshield. You never know. Or but, someone riding spaceman. <laughs> perhaps. It should have been confirmation. But, uh, yeah, so yeah, it's great, though. They come back from commercial, and uh, Shavani's like, folks, all I can say is J.J. Dillon's walking to the ring. And it's just so good. He calls out Arn, who calls out Mongo, <laughs> Malenko, Benoit, does the whole speech. The four horsemen are back. And, of course, forgot, forgot Ric Flair. Who comes out to one of my? Uh, it's one of my favourite promos of this whole period. What a great reaction! I'm sure everybody's seen this. One of the more uh, romanticised and, and rightfully so moments of this uh, period of time for WCW. With a tear in his eye. With a tear in his eye and, and blood in his mouth. <laughs> great stuff here. The fire me. I'm already fired. <laughs> it's just a great way to bring Flair back again. This is this is it his is, first appearance in a long time. It is, it is absolutely brilliant. And it, and it's obviously throughout the show. You've got the crowd chanting, "We want Flair." In a positive sense, and not the Bash ninety one revisited. Yes, yes. and they actually were. I should echo. They were actually doing the same the night before at Four Brawl, including in the first match, the fucking hideous Bulldog Anvil versus Right Disco match, which again, which actually features David getting slammed on the on the, uh, the ring door again, and, and accelerates well, the end of his career. Yeah, yeah. They're chatting. We want Flair then. So, bearing all that in mind, and how great a promo Flair cuts, how wonderful angle it is. And you'd think they'd they'd want to soak that up, wouldn't you? They'd want to they'd want to take it all in, just you know, let 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 the segment sort of breathe, if you like. What do they do? About three seconds after Flair's finished, cut to commercial. Cut the commercial. Just underscores. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. They come back. I like it though. They come back, and it's just it's just Heenan, Shivani, and Tanae sitting at the booth, and Shivani's like, "Wow, that was the best moment in the history of this show, bar none." I'm so glad I was here for this. And on this occasion, it actually has some credibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it almost didn't happen, says Melter. There was a dispute that came up either Friday or early Saturday where Flair wasn't going to return, but everything is back in place by Sunday morning. Uh, Flair was broken down in tears by the incredible reaction, had blood coming out of his mouth and biting his lip or tongue. I was going never really said, but much like Goldberg Hogan, can they pull out on pay-per-view? The return of Flair, if they advertised it. Is he going to be there? Is he not going to be there? Well, yeah, probably. If they if they, if they, they really want to, I mean, I was spitballing. No, well, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's a reasonable theory. We we talked before about how this company doesn't, you know, for all the sort of good business it does do, 
the way it fails to cap the way it fails to monetize you know, real gems if it wanted to and the way it just sort of blows its load for for the living living and dying by those monday ratings a bit to your point King, as liam mentioned there before they did entertain the idea of putting it on pay-per-view they were just going to do it as a surprise though yes a surprise at four ball or a uh, build-up on online trope. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got to get what you can take from this company, I think. Uh, Bret Hart did an interview. Even though he's been turning face, everybody booed. Then Roddy Piper came out and did a good interview to try and turn him face, except for the great line where Piper says that uh, Americans have forgiven Clinton so they can forgive Bret Hart and everyone boos him. <laughs> yeah, our, our American f- listeners will probably, you know, be able to draw their own conclusions about the popularity of Democrats in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll, you'll know better than us. <laughs> Though, I, I would just say, is, are those Meltzer's words about Piper's promo? Uh, yes. Because I, I watched it back fairly recently. I believe in your presence, Liam. And <laughs> you were not impressed? No, the, <laughs> not, not even taking into account the Clinton line, I was not impressed with uh, with Roddy's work on this evening. <laughs> Uh, Hogan and Bischoff do a promo. Uh, there is smoke that, of course, appears, and Warrior kidnaps Bruce Beefcake. Yes, we can only wait in, in, uh, in hopeful anxiety of what's next. Perry Saturn, after his great win over Raven, wrestles Kendall Winter for what feels like 90 minutes on this show. Notable only for the oh, fact. God. Oh, yeah, that's another one I made you sit through. <laughs> only notable for the fact, and I want someone, one of our listeners, to screen grab this the, the sign in the front row that says <laughs> SCG for Life. Marvellous. Kidman, the clean Billy Kidman, pins Juventud Guerrero for the Cruiserweight title on this show. It's a standing ovation from Saturn at the end. Really good match. Best match on the night, either show. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, Warrior shows up with a sleeping disciple and didn't get much reaction. Uh, fans started booing Warrior's promo. When he challenged Hogan, the pop was surprisingly small. So, uh, problems here with uh, Terry and Jim. <laughs> Luger vs Scott Hall was supposed to happen but didn't they tried to do a uh, work shoot angle where Hall was drunk they've been doing this on and off for a little while with Hall at 4 ball they did the match with him and Kurt now where he had him in the abdominal stretch and started sipping a beer with his free hand which is a great spot but uh, yeah horrible work shoot here where Luger got mad at him saying he's going to hurt somebody and what are you doing you know uh oh Liz wasn't in the way was she oh come on Kieran a bit of, a bit of decorum here um, Eric Bischoff comes out not in character so does Kurnan and Kevin Nash what's going on here Scott come on pull yourself together man Hall goes around yeah the camera's close in and Hall's going around saying why you've, you've drunk in the past you're drinking the past what's wrong with you all getting shit faced in the past and, uh, and then he asks Kevin Nash where he was when his life was falling apart and of course this all ends with Scott Hall hilariously vomiting on Eric Bischoff at ringside bad taste bad taste this one it, it would almost seem a bit like sort of a us overstating hindsight bearing in mind a lot of the more negative stuff that happens with Scott Hall comes after this so at the time you know we've mentioned some some, uh, incidents on the previous timeline though so he is in the thick of his problems here he is I just I just I suppose in, in in the context of the time yeah looking back it's in incredibly poor taste at the time I don't think it really registered with me in truth I, not not in the sense of poor taste, just more of this is just bad. You know, this is bad television. As it is awful. As this match as just stalls and drags. Yeah. It's awful. But that's why you know it, it's bad television. But I don't think I ever thought of it at the time as too close to home, mm. or you know, or you know, or, no, I can't or, say I did or, either. Or, or too, you know, you know, too offensive in mm. that sense. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's more that. It's more the yeah, this guy was fucking crashing cars drunk and yeah. be- beating up taxis and yeah. what and uh, was there, he groped an old lady didn't he yeah gro- gro- groped the 50 uh, something year old woman that's just wrong mm. but, um, I, but I, I wasn't aware of any of that at the time 
But I think that's what's like, okay. You weren't the husband? Are they fine? Are they, yeah. they fine? <laughs> <laughs> like, were they fine him? No. Well, have it, okay, it's alright. No, of course not. Of course not. Uh, September 14th, obviously, on top of Ric Flair's uh, return, the main event of the show is Goldberg versus Sting. Uh, just kind of thrown out there on television for you. Eight minutes long, Goldberg gets the win. A lot better than you'd think, says Dave Meltzer, but I beg to differ after watching this myself. Uh, Finish saw Sting get the scorpion after Goldberg... The crowd's really hot. Uh, Sting gets the scorpion after Goldberg misses the spear, and uh, they're teasing that Goldberg's trapped, and this will be it. This will be the end of the streak. When Hogan runs in and kicks Sting off, which the referee misses, and then Goldberg uses the spear and jackhammer to get the pin. And it's a re- it's a horrible kick from Hogan. It's a really shitty finish, really anticlimactic. And uh, after the match, Hogan attacks Goldberg with his pathetic horrible offense, and Bret Hart limps in to make the save. And uh, it- it's just it's so great because you got Sting lying on the floor dead, Goldberg there feeling flat after this almost defeat, Bret Hart who's not getting over as a babyface in the ring to save the show, and Shivani with what I think is one of the most immortal lines of this month, saying, "Leave it to Hogan to tank the end of a remarkable program." <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's a cracking line for this entire period combating this over on Raw largely a great show says Dave Meltzer starts out with Vincent Mann out in the ring with Taker and Kane uh, who announces their deal uh, which is that they will watch his back as long as he gets the title to one of them uh, the stipulation is also made that Kane and Taker can't pin each other at breakdown in the three way stacking the deck against they Austin they are prohibited Liam prohibited yes uh, Steve Austin comes out basically calls Monarch says it's bullshit and uh, obviously with uh, Montreal fresh in his mind after seeing the tape of Russell shadows Vince says stone cold screwed stone cold and Austin decks him but uh, gets a double choke slam from Taker and Kane so again very hot start to the show waking up the raw audience after the two weeks of uh, comatose programming yeah the malaise of the previous mm, two weeks very much so yeah, back on Mondays was this live yes it was head to head live for the first time in two like weeks it. Austin's there again he's I think that they actually start this show where Taker and Kane are already in the ring and then Austin says like, straight away off the bat it's like Yep, Austin's back on this show. Yeah, we're not wasting any straight time. Straight business. Yeah. yeah, we're straight in the thick of it. We're not fucking around with entrances here. We're getting to the point. Um, Rock beats Kane uh, on this show. The Mankind hits him with a hammer. The fans exploded at the people's elbow. Notes Melton, and rightfully so. I re- again, this is a really exciting one because Rock, you're wrestling Kane in there with a top guy who's only been beaten once on Raw and Rock's getting the win even though it's with the, uh, the return of Mankind, not Cactus, um, paying the uh, receipt that Kane with a sledgehammer. But just the fact that Rock got the win and again, it gets a great reaction from the crowd for his music, the people's elbow, they go fucking crazy for. Ah, oh, this is just, again, watching this back, I can't really put it into words, which is great for a podcast. <laughs> but I just, I, I, that, that buzz and that excitement you get when you're watching this yeah, there's, period, there's, man. There's, there's just an, an, an energy yeah, to it. Yeah, that's the word. And I mean, look, just to backtrack slightly, because of this context of energy and, and, and going back to the WCW one just briefly, um, but with, with Flair. Yeah, and the emotion of that and how good that was to watch think about the way that show ends yeah and the sour taste that can leave in the mouth where you know I've, I've talked before about how I find some of these Nitro's really difficult to watch in comparison to the Raws and I, I obviously before we started recording this evening walked in to find you two watching the the Rock the match. Rock, Rock match and there still feels like there's an energy to it even now it's, it's the right guy going over you know he's still Looks good. He still looks like he deserve. He looks like he deserves to be there. He, he's not. It's not the old beat him down for fifteen minutes, mm. slip on a banana peel yeah. sort of. Well, he pretty much had the match won before the ref got bumped and taken around in anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it all it all feels legitimate. And it feels like the make. You know, sort of the cementing. Not not the main because he was already a star in many respects. But it's that sort of cementing of a, of, of his position on the card. Whereas 
you could just quite easily see it now, couldn't you? The, in, 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 to the, in today's climate, someone starts to get over, starts to get hot, and they cut off at the knees. But they the jump down to someone. Yeah, that's what I think we talked about it before. Right? You know, rocks, brilliance have been able to uh, survive the 50 50 booking as it was back in the day. Um, it's probably less than that because I can't remember Hardy ever winning a match with the, <laughs> the IC champ. But like, yeah, he kind of disproves the rule that you know you have to protect someone in booking to get over. Uh, so we can blame Rock for all the 50-50 card booking today. But in this coming out of SummerSlam, and it's oh fuck yeah, they're serious with him. He's in there with Kane. He's beat Kane. I too. think they don't do it here though. That's the thing. So when it came time for Rock to make that jump from that that hot icy guy to a guy that we can take on top, you know, serious on top, they didn't 50-50 book well, that at is all. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. And it's, and it's it's like this week he comes out he walks out he, pro he projects like a main eventer he hasn't got the nation with him he's on his own he's going to kick some ass stands up to Kane later on stands up to Kane and take him just fuck this and tries to take them both on at once. Yeah. it's like yeah this is like a real clear this guy is now in the upper card or yes. he's imminently going to be there so. in that mix he's got some momentum and we're going to give it a chance to, to at least play out whereas you know to use a Kevin Owens for example the initial momentum he gets from beating Cena is lost within a month because he, he you know, Cena gets his win back and this isn't a, a knock on, on John Cena but it's just it's the way they book mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan gets some gets momentum beaten to oblivion yeah he's, be, he's either beaten down on TV relentlessly or he's doing jobs to Bray Wyatt at the, like the rumble before he wins the belt and all that sort of you know, those sorts of things just didn't happen during this period they you know Guys either got themselves over or or they they targeted specific guys, and and they went with them and gave them the chance. Uh, also on this show, uh, Dustin Runnels does a promo on the immoral programming of the WWF, and Val Venus shows up and as the preacher's wife video with uh, the return of Terry, uh, who's uh, Val's latest conquest. Uh, in other great news here, we get the first vignette for the real man's man, Stephen <laughs> Regal. That was great. Chopping down a tree, I believe, this week. Was the, the the Val video with uh, Terry? Was this the one when he tied Dustin in the ropes? No, that's the follower. Okay. Yeah, that's the follow-up. Mind blowing. We'll come to that. Yeah, <laughs> lots of Russoisms coming through now. Where it doesn't really matter if you're heel or face. Yeah, they, thank God the top guys, Austin and Rock, is coming through. They're very solid. really seeps through for the rest of this year. Yeah. Um, Taker working as a heel goes against Mankind. Uh, obviously stemming from there, what happened earlier in the show. Uh, it's no contest when Rock gets out of Mankind's dumpster. It's pretty much a no DQ match to attack the Undertaker. Taker, this is what you were talking about before, Rock going toe-to-toe -to -toe with uh, Taker and Kane. And again, not getting laid out here, getting the better of it. Looking great. Uh, Mark Henry beats X-Pac in China in a handicap match by pinning China. Kieran, you wanted to speak on this, Odelay. I wanted to speak on this. Um, yeah, this is Mark Henry's best match ever. <laughs> I like this match. It was fun. It was great. He was amazing. X-Pac makes him look a million dollars. For the first bump, he throws him into the yeah. rope. The rope's fantastic. Pac um, is so underrated during yeah, this year great. and next. Um, again, booking wise, it makes no sense. You got the two face, two faces against one heel, and the heel wins. And the heel wins. <laughs> Clean with a power slam. <laughs> yeah, great power slam on China. Yeah. Before. Mark Henry was like for five minutes my favourite wrestler. I was like about my pack. I will say, you know, during this this month, this sort of appearance, thing, Mark Henry was, was 
It was pretty entertaining. I was yeah, no, he's not quite, um, he's not quite sexual chocolate yet, but his he's, he's sort of obsession with China, if you like, is there, the walk around sticking the tongue snake out and all tongue. that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's where it's at. The snake yeah. tongue's where it's at. How did he work from this guy to so completely irrelevant? Oh, yeah. Poor old man. Poor old Mizark. Yeah, I know. Uh, so adorable as well. He does. That fucking, especially with the shaved head. He lovable cheeks. <laughs> Big hamster. <laughs> um, Sable versus Jackie in an evening gown match takes place on this show. They have to go to a wine shop because Jackie's tits are falling out all over the place and they fall out completely on a power bomb, which they show on an instant replay uh, again afterwards uh, which, which is the cause of a lot of heat actually from uh, some of the TV execs saying that even if it was an accident which Vince claimed it was Sable's fault for not making sure that Jackie had the proper bra on um, I don't know why but I guess he doesn't uh, blame they, anyone they dress each other do they? apparently so but uh, yeah of course the argument was well you showed it on the replay after you knew it happened so there's no argument here uh, well I'm sure the village voice were really pissed <laughs> the main event of the show uh, you, you've missed oh, out that uh, Sable wins and then just disrobes it disrobes anyway for the shit of it well you yeah, know that's Sable in, in 98 um, the main event of the show going head to head with Goldberg's thing first time ever is Austin Shamrock first time ever which ends in a no contest Taker and Kane run out uh, Rock and Mankind run in and uh, Austin hits Mankind and The Undertaker with chair shots to end the show so again everything's just going on all over the place but Austin stands tall to end the night uh, we go to the ratings here for this huge night September 14th and Nitro scores the victory 4.5 towards 4.0 the quarter hours indicate each side has a core audience of about a 3.6 and the remaining 1.3 to 2.0 ratings points basically 1 million to 1.5 million homes are swing votes that switch based on who has the most intriguing product during that quarter hour the biggest gap of the regular two hour show was when WCW did the re-emergence of the Horseman which did a 5.4 rating while Raw presented Mark Henry's handicap match Aww. which did a 3.8 <laughs> uh, it was the third consecutive WCW television show where Arn Anderson was in the highest rated segment double A ratings gold the ring introductions and first six minutes of Austin vs Shamrock drew the WWF's peak rating for the night with a 4.87 Nitro during that same period was airing the entrances for Goldberg and Sting which dropped to a 4.2 which is amazing turnover considering it's coming off the 5.4 for Flair this shows the amount of channel switching going on as in the overrun period which sees the last six minutes of Austin Shamrock and the post-match run-ins uh, Raw fell to a 4.0 for the match while the actual Goldberg Sting match did a 6.1 uh, so yeah real real, real uh, power there behind Goldberg's thing and not so much Austin Shamrock uh, but it is noted that Warriors segment lost the ratings to Val Venus and Dustin Runnels and was the second lowest rated segment of Nitro again good job they threw a million dollars at him <laughs> Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley suffered a torn outer meniscus on September 15th in Sacramento during a match tape for Heat uh, he underwent arthroscopic surgery by Dr. Jim Andrews and is scheduled to be out of the ring for at least three more weeks he'll actually won't be back for quite some time I sincerely hope that he somehow managed to do that whilst picking up the Kangol cap <laughs> well you did actually mention before Kieran that uh, you didn't really miss him no did you even notice he's, he was gone he is um, I, I, I realised he was gone eventually I think it was it was uh, the probably maybe the next week or the week after the real uh, saturation of Billy Gunn as the workhorse for DX. Yes. Um, rather than Pack for some reason, uh, didn't miss he was gone. No. Well, he was completely a completely bland babyface who was the least cool member of the crew, including China. <laughs> so, what are you gonna do? Now, see, I, I must admit it didn't really dawn on me just how long he he sort of been away and. Till they got to Survivor Series, oh yeah, and, and, the, and the Patterson promo when uh, well Patterson and Briscoe in the studio say he's, he hasn't turned up so they can find him when he returns. I think it was only at that point where, I re- where 
it's not that I hadn't noticed he hadn't been on TV, but it was just like, oh shit, he has been gone for quite a while, hasn't <laughs> it? It's been about two months, actually. Yeah. Huh, where you been? <laughs> Latest rumours are that the title is scheduled to go from Goldberg to Hogan to Nash, or from Goldberg to Nash if they can cut Hogan out of the equation, although uh, that may all be to keep Nash happy, because a happy Nash apparently supplies lots of good ideas, <laughs> says Dave Meltzer in The Observer. I don't even know where to start with that tidbit because <laughs> it starts and ends at the same point for WCW and it's uh, it looks like 1999. Did his remark on Nash and Good Ideas have air, you know, sort of quotation marks around it? No, not even. He, he was... Evidence. <laughs> not even. <laughs> I'm dead serious he about this. To fair, he didn't say his ideas about wrestling. Yeah, it might have been like... This is true. About which bar to go to afterwards? Paul Heyman sent a letter to Eric Bischoff offering to buy Chris Benoit out of his contract this week and as you can imagine Bischoff didn't think twice. Well, I doubt he offered money. <laughs> <laughs> There's problems at the WCW house shows. We thought before about uh, the success the WS having on the house shows. Uh, this month there's issues because uh, after recent problems with no shows it came out that Goldberg had been promised at Mobile, Alabama off and as it turned out the giant missed the date as well because he's taking care of his problems in Nassau with his arrest. The newspaper ad which only listed one match Goldberg versus Giant <laughs> also had photos of seven wrestlers only two of whom appeared. Alan Sharp of WCW claimed that photos of wrestlers in the newspaper ad are listing people that could be appearing not necessarily would be appearing. <laughs> not looking good. Although I thought Eric Bischoff said that things were better and that they yeah, we can't have no shows. I don't understand. I doubt he was there at that house show. Hmm, good point. Just buy a ticket to the Magical Mystery Tour. <laughs> this week's celebrity rumoured to be talked with about a WCW pay-per-view involvement is Jackie Chan. That would have been sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the plan was for him to work with Ernest Miller at World War Three, which is the reason he was getting a push uh, for the first time around this period of time. Jackie Chan versus the cat. Would that have been good? That's not as inspiring. No. Mm. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to, to let you down. Oh my god, it's Jackie Chan! <laughs> Don't you just think Jackie Chan's kung foolery would have been brilliant in the cruiserweight division? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Obviously. Uh, the giant is trying to leverage into a race or a push, claiming he's got a big offer waiting to be had from the WWF, which is the first note we'll have about uh, the inevitability that takes place six months later. Well, they'd at least have a better idea of how to book a giant. <laughs> well, Vince said so himself. Uh, one of the reasons for the Stevie Ray push is they want both him and Booker T near the top when the Bobby Walker lawsuit goes to court. Uh, we mentioned this previously, of course, that Bobby Walker sued WCW claiming his earnings weren't as high as Ric Flair and other white performers. And uh, this, this, is, this is why we're getting the Stevie Ray push. So uh, thanks, Bobby. <laughs> Fuck you, Walker. Vader is out of action due to elevated blood pressure, which according to his doctor was from a potassium and electrolyte imbalance caused by over-dieting and over-training and dropping so much weight so quickly. Uh, the timing of this wasn't good for Vader either, as he's back in the doghouse with some in the office, uh, and he's had his detractors in the office for a long time. So they want the guy to fucking lose weight and bury him when he doesn't. When he finally does, because it's unhealthy, they bury him for it again. Fucking pricks. I was going to say that the, the notion that he'd had his detractors for some time, did that start around about January of 96? <laughs> <laughs> with his signing? Yeah. Yeah, as soon as he took that leather jacket off, it was all over for Big Leon. Uh, we're back on Monday, September 21st. Nitro is live. Raw is taped this week. We'll start with Nitro. Uh, it, this came off as a show that will start the erosion of the business over the long haul, says <laughs> Dave Meltzer. <laughs> the show opened with Scott Hall showing up acting like he was loaded and Doug Dillinger trying to sober him up. 
They then went to the ring and it filled with steam. The disciple was there when the ring cleared, asleep on the mat. Hogan and the uh, black and white B team showed up trying to recapture the prisoner, but the dreaded steam came again. The disciple was gone when the smoke cleared. Warrior was then in the rafters with a blow up doll dressed <laughs> like the disciple. It's capture the flag with Brutus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this blow up doll dressed like disciple. There's got to be a joke in there somewhere. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This is just fucking. It's just continuing this horrible fucking supernatural shit with the Warrior that just. Listen to the matches on this show. You thought that Raw was bad a couple weeks ago. Dave Finley beats Barry Darso. Wrath beats Nick Dinsmore. Yes, he of Eugene fame. Rick Steiner beats Rick Fuller. I think Bischoff was using this show as a model for his new book, How to Kill the Most Rabid Live Crowd, says Meltzer. Uh, Hogan and company were back again challenging Warrior to show up. Warrior comes up in the aisle, uh, and while the fans did pop pretty big for this theme early in the show, once the two guys started talking, the fans were booing them both. Uh, Warrior leaves, Hogan chases him, goes back to the dressing room, and uh, Warrior had spray-painted the locker room and there were small fires everywhere. Disciple was passed out in the bathroom. Hogan panicked. <laughs> Hogan panicked, although I have no idea why, because he's seen that idiot like that nightly for years. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, he tried to recapture him. More steam fills the room. Wouldn't you know if he was gone again? At this point, Bischoff is retitling his book, How to Kill the Biggest Wrestling Company in the World. Unfortunately, that's, <sighs> way, that's way too prophetic for my liking, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, elsewhere on this fucking god awful show, Raven and Canyon uh, fuck up the Volano uh, Volano Four's neck oh, with that no. powerbomb neckbreaker uh, combination, which Raven is immediately terrified of. As soon as he does it, the match ends abruptly, and uh, they flee the ring, and they finally they walk him out, and he, and he is fine in the end, although he's obviously banged up pretty bad. And uh, yeah, not not a pretty landing here. No, one of those that's appeared on uh, several um, Botchamania videos over the years. <laughs> uh, DDP didn't interview, and all the people were chanting Goldberg at him. This is obviously the uh, this is post victory at Four Balls now in line to wrestle Goldberg. Uh, some fans were booing him, and others were quiet. So this doesn't sound too inspiring here. Uh, Steiner and Bagwell jump Bret Hart, and Sting makes the save. Of course, this is kind of the uh, the escalation. Previously, the had Bret surrounded, but didn't attack, and Sting made the save. Now they've attacked Bret. So clearly, Bret is a good guy, uh, and Sting has made the save uh, for Bret Hart here. Um, Ernest Miller beats Lenny Lane. Uh, Scott Hall showed up while this match was going on, so we got to see both of the company's worst angles at the same time. Kind of like combining two really bad drugs at the same time, both together multiplies the bad effects. Or, in wrestling terms, it means Nitro loses a quarter hour when Jeff Jarrett is on Raw. (laughs) Bit of a harsh take. (laughs) But actually, it, it does come out that uh, Jeff Jarrett and Val Venus are actually the two uh, big ratings tankers for the WWF in the quarter hours. Really? So uh, Val doesn't do it for those at home. Val <laughs> doesn't get it though. <laughs> <laughs> he stole it for you there. He came in and stole it. I just got to say at this point, hearing this stuff for Bret Hart, yeah. I'm just so uninspired. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. How could you? Nothing matters. How- week to week, it does, there's no semblance of direction, even if there is a fucking direction. Mm. Oh, so frustrating. Feels horrible. Uh, the Horsemen, with their new fantastic music that would uh, go on to be uh, the final one they would ever have, confront Eric Bischoff on this show. Bischoff goads Flair to try and punch him, and uh, Ric Flair responds with a pretty awesome promo, although he tells Eric Bischoff to suck it oh. in the middle of it, which I really am not a fan of. More on that later. Is there a way to make yourself look second rate? Well, it's just these old guys telling us the young kids are cool. Yeah, that's, that's all it feels like. Uh, disappointing heat for this, uh, considering the quality of the promo. It was a very good promo. You got Bischoff you know, saying, you got another two million to lose and daring to punch him. And Flair's saying he's not going to punch him because he doesn't punch uh, executives in tennis shoes. 
pretty interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, as, as a follow-up, it's, it doesn't have kind of it doesn't have quite the bite that you want to the Great Angle last week, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the main event is Kevin Nash and Lex Luger to a no contest with the Giants and Stevie Ray in four minutes. God knows Stevie Ray has to be protected. Beyond terrible, says Dave Meltzer. Michael Buffer called the Giant the master of the power slam in the ring introductions. <laughs> Kevin Nash, almost embarrassed by everything, almost apologetically issued a challenge to Scott Hall for a match. Since Hall's gimmick is so over and he's such a big ratings draw, nobody popped. Meltzer's <laughs> <laughs> had it with Nitro at this point, you can tell. I was say, so cutting with these remarks. Finally, Hulk Hogan showed up and challenged the warrior again. The warrior came out with the disciple, who this time was awake, turned around and had the OWN insignia on his jacket to end the show. Yeah, how can you... Just, I probably should have asked this earlier, but now that you sort of officially joined him, how can you still be a one warrior nation when you have a disciple? This is the company no, that lost sixty-eight million dollars no, in one year. Of, of all the things I should nitpick, accounting was never their strong yeah, suit. Carl. Of, of all the things I should nitpick at, I appreciate this is somewhere low. You know, this is one of the low-hanging fruit, but I just, it's just one of those things that's always bugged me. Well, one can only assume that warrior is the nation, and the disciple is um, uh, like a like a commonwealth. <laughs> He's the satellite state to the warrior. <laughs> People were furious that Goldberg was not there, and there were lots of Nitro Sucks chants by the fans in the parking lot after the show was finished. It had been hinted for a couple of weeks, actually, on TV that this was Goldberg's one-year anniversary since his TV debut. <laughs> he was there, and fans knew he was there, uh, since they knew he was in town the previous day for an autograph session that he was two hours late for. This is the true story behind why. We mentioned before about the PR... Goldberg's been getting so much positive pressure for being Jewish, they didn't want to get the Jewish community mad for having him wrestle on Rosh Hashanah. You know, because 32 years ago, Sandy Koufax wouldn't pitch in a World Series game because it was on Yom Kippur, which is a much bigger Jewish holiday. Somebody got confused between the two and pulled Goldberg from the show. Meltzer drops the Jewish knowledge. Absolutely. What a fucking pilot. Why not they ask him? <laughs> Surely somebody has to know this. Again, what about Raven? He's right there. Maybe he's just one of the night off. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> they had Raven work, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course they did. Raven doesn't know which day of the week it is, let alone <laughs> Jewish holidays. <laughs> Over on the taped Raw, both Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler missed the show because they're filming Man on the Moon. Fucking hell. And who do we get instead, Kieran? Oh, we have the <laughs> shame at man, the worst, bar none. <laughs> And he's played Doom play by play. He's supposed to be play by play, and he's the worst commentator of all time. Yeah, he's so bad. He makes Jim Cornette unbearable alongside. No, Cornette, who is 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 psychic, trying to cover from at times, trying to joke along with him. Shane, fuck's sake, he hits. Uh, okay, what do we get? Uh, repeated reference to say someone gets hit with a cane, he'll say caneage <laughs> or whippage, and then. <laughs> It's like that night with Raven in the car all over again. <laughs> we get the random woos, woo, like that. Uh, lots of yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of pops. Lots. Of, uh, I in reference to his dad, of course. Is he? Yeah, is he? A, yeah, is, Uncle Jerry. Is <laughs> Uncle Pat? <laughs> that's yeah, that's funny. He's a face. He's a face. But Pat was everyone's uncle in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> he's a face when he's calling XPAC every single time he references him and he's cheering for his offence but then he seems to be a heel when he's cheering on Pops and his great ideas 
I, just the shittest, shittest commentator of all time. For those of you who think Byron Saxon is bad, oh, I was no. begging for a Byron Saxon silence from Shane McMahon during this show. I just wrote in capital letters in my notes, Shane sucks. <laughs> Vince McMahon on the show says that Rock, Shamrock and Foley will fight a number one contenders match on this show um, and that none of them should team with Steve Austin tonight who needs a partner to go against Taker and Kane if they know what's good for them. Uh, so, more on this later. Uh, Jacqueline beats Sable for the new women's championship, which was... Uh, a two-woman division. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not sad about that, really. <laughs> if, if they can hold a, a tournament for that belt, they can go ahead and hold that in Rio de Janeiro, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's okay, because like, I'm pretty sure we get Tori in the crowd at some point. Yes, this is her first appearance. They're looking a lot like Sable, uh, which is the idea. Apparently, the plan here is that she's going to be her sister oh, okay. in the uh, in the early... They love brothers and sisters on this. Oh, they just absolutely love them. Sergeant Slaughter versus Al Snow takes place with Al Snow winning a contract uh, this was like watching the classic boot camp match it was held underwater with a few moonsaults thrown in and using a uh, funhouse mirror on Sergeant Slaughter's belly says Dave Meltzer so, uh, but Al gets a good reaction here in, uh, in beating Sarge I thought they did alright by, <laughs> by the way they tried yeah. you know, Al tried and Al, Al's more over than I remember in yeah. these early, early show-ins yeah. here which is really quite surprising actually <laughs> I was all ready to bury him this, this really was the best of Al Snow yeah. <laughs> Billy Gunn is the fo- uh, the fellow who teams with Steve Austin against Taker and Kane, and he does the job. So thanks for coming, Billy. Good. <laughs> this is like this so he fucking should. Oh, this 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 month is gun overkill. X Pac, who actually is great, beats D'Lo Brown for the European title on this show. Good match. That's good stuff. But again, Shane's unbearable. I, 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 he, this was the match that I, I, re- I wrote. This was actually wrote down. Shane sucks. He Shut up, one. Shane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in the number one contenders match uh, that we mentioned before uh, Shamrock Mankind and Rock Taker and Kane come out and destroy all three uh, for a non-finish but Steve Austin appears and uh, gets his hands on Vince laying out in the aisle to end the show although it was three on the two two or two on three it, they were they did protect the three didn't they because it yes. was like one it was they one picked up one at a time when they're on the outside. and Rock's last yeah yeah Rock's I last this is the one I was actually thinking of when it's like Rock looks around he sees they've taken out the other two he's like fuck it let's come on let's go on. motherfuckers yeah let's do it uh, a Nitro program that would be ch- uh, described charitably as atrocious led to Raw ending Nitro's three-week winning streak. However, the total audience watching Pro Wrestling for a head-to-head battle was at its lowest level since February. Uh, the taped Raw did a 4.0 to Nitro's 3.9, so it just ekes out the victory here. Uh, Raw won six of the eight quarters, losing the final two, both of which included Ric Flair. It also made five consecutive WCW shows where Arn Anderson is in the highest-rated segment, despite being placed in the main event position only once of those five shows. So a double A, double a. is bringing the money. Yeah. He's on a roll. No, no, no. This is like saying that Earl Hebner is the biggest draw in wrestling history because he was the referee for a lot of Austin matches or something. <laughs> That's bogus. Well, <laughs> there were two shows pre Flair that he was the highest rated guy yeah. on. So yeah, yeah. just were hoping Flair would be there. Come on. <laughs> Perhaps it's like it's smoke without fire, smoke with fire kind of thing. Well, arms the smoke, look, so look. the fire of no car. Arn is what's like Arn is what's causing all this. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> some side. We're well into September, aren't we? So obviously, is it fair to say that the Monday night footballs played a significant this part the, this in all this? This is the first time the numbers are, uh, are noticeably lower. Again, since February being the keynote there, 
uh, but obviously February end of the football season so <laughs> that makes sense um, coming on the heels of WCW producing two pay-per-view shows where the card itself literally wasn't known by virtually anyone outside the promotion and very few within until the day of the show uh, both of which are disappointing buy rates the WWF finds itself in the same situation the day after the go-home roar for breakdown we talked about this before, uh, before we went on the air Kieran only the triple threat main event and Runnels versus Venus has been announced there was an original card a few weeks back that was revamped because of the belief it wouldn't make for a good show a second card was put in place, but due to the injury to Triple H, who was scheduled to defend the IC title against Mark Henry, the entire undercard has been scrapped. So, uh, if only Triple H and Mark Henry were there to save the show, I suppose. But uh, yeah, again, we talked about this. Very surprising. Very, you know, WF's kind of had a lot of its ducks in a row, but this is kind of, again, sign of the times of a bit of Russoism creeping in here, where you got the main event and there's very little else to sink your teeth into on this uh, undercard that we know about going in. Yeah, kind of, kind of, not really surprising, given that maybe the, mm, the preemptions and the tapes, so they kind of went half assed I was going to ask, is it, is it a byproduct of, of those two weeks? Because yeah. you think those two weeks, although they didn't progress it, they, it was the focus they had taken from Kane there, obviously it was kind of positioning them. Um, I suppose we've got at least yeah, at least had a main event. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's just quite funny because it does get into this this habit. And one of the uh, the, the big things is Russo uh, defenders like to talk about how you know the undercard. You know, he wrote something for everyone in the undercard. When you look at some of these pay per views, he didn't do a fucking very good job because there's not like there's a lot of great built up matches on these undercards. Um, September 22nd uh, is where we're at now. Jerry Lawler and Jim Carrey do an angle during the Man on the Moon filming, and an embarrassing number of people on the media bite on it. They'd already floated the angle the week before in the National Enquirer, and were building up all week with many people working in the film privately bragging days ahead of time about what they cooked up to gather publicity for this movie. Uh, considering how a vast majority of stories portray the wrestling industry, and more so the fans who support it, the day was an interesting irony when it comes to who the real marks are, says Dave Meltzer. I can't believe they bought this. I can't believe it's, it's Lawler. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, Lawler doing a film about a famous angle when they work the media. Yeah, and they're working the media. <laughs> and they all they all reported on it. They never did a follow up. They just reported that first story that they had a, a fight on the set. We shouldn't be surprised by any of this. Donald Trump may become president in November. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not let's, let's let's joke about some things and not others, Carl. <laughs> uh, the intermittent laughter on the uh, WCW Nitro shows that we've been hearing and not referenced once because it's fucking awful is some kind of a cross promotion for the Child's Play movie with the Chucky character coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> wait till we get to that <laughs> oh yeah wait just, till we just get to you it. fucking wait <laughs> there was some push this week to get Rey Mysterio Jr. put into the wolf pack which I can only imagine came from Conan because I can't imagine anybody else wanting him in there but uh yeah it's all refused. they all refuse to do jobs so well we need someone else yeah Rey yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah but I, you I, can picture it as a, as a legitimate pitch can't you oh yeah I, what do you think about Ray and the Wolfpack at this time because they kind of had I mean they had the cool vibe down and Ray was I, I'm not sure if Masked Ray really fits to be quite honest but uh, interesting idea to try and yeah. spotlight him a little bit but not feeling it spotlight and by joining an NWO it, it, well it did for, it worked for Conan it's that thing of working with better you know working with Gaio not typecast down the bottom I guess which is what yeah, Ray's but, doing did it work was that the affiliation that got Conan over was it being able to do kind of wacky personality it just allayed, allowed him to I don't know get his catchphrase over Bailey Bailey and that stuff that Cole loves so much yeah how would that have helped Ray I don't Maybe again by, by association no, maybe yeah, it's, it's all top guys it's a win oh yeah it's all top guys if he's protected the same way that's a big if yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I was going to say that bearing in mind the big if there you can quite easily see a situation where oh he's got this association with the wolf pack 
Week one, he loses to Brian Adams. Week two, he loses to Stevie Ray. <laughs> yeah. Week three, he does a promo in Kevin Nash's bum bag. It's like... <laughs> I see it. In his Calgary, he's like, he's like the baby kangaroo. They were really like kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah, he's actually wearing on his back <laughs> in, a, in a satchel. In his Calgary Sun column over the weekend, Bret Hart, when talking about the late Brian Pillman, said he's in a better place than Owen, who's in the WWF. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, that's pretty strong stuff. The WWF is producing a line of bibs for babies with the likeness of Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Triple H and Shawn Michaels for some reason. They'll just fucking sell anything, won't they? <laughs> this is during the period of time where they're trying to sell the WWF cologne as well, if you remember that. Fun WCW house show stories on September 25th. WCW forgot to send uh, plane tickets to the Mexican wrestlers, so they had to drive from Fairfax to Erie and ended up not making it there in time. They'd gone to the airport and were tr- uh, told that a Electronic tickets would be waiting for them, but there were no tickets when they got there. Uh, on that show, a loaded Scott Hall got on the mic and said there was going to be a big party at the hotel after the show, and asked for all the young women to ask for Scott Hall and for all the fags to ask for Kevin there. <laughs> Two things. First of all, that's funny. <laughs> no fine, no suspension, nothing here for Scott Hall. Another WWF training camp this week. Kurt Angle is apparently the star of the camp and is again being compared with Ken Shamrock as far as how quickly he picks everything up. He's not going to debut that soon because plans are to give him a major push and they don't want him shown on television until he's ready to carry it. Uh, so again, yes, there we go. And again, the other big story this week is Wrestling With The Shadows has been released to uh, more and more video sources. So uh, we're going to see prevalence of Montreal-related activity in the uh, coming months. Uh, September 27th, we get to WWF Breakdown. 17,405 fans sell out the building, a 0.86 buy rate for 301,000 buys, better than four brawl. The main takeaway here, Steve Austin loses the WWF Championship. Uh, we get the great scene at the end with Vince in the getaway car, given the weirdest old man <laughs> middle finger. The worst middle finger I've ever <laughs> seen. Arthritic middle finger. <laughs> Ah, boring, sluggish-ass match. I didn't like this at all. The heat was disappointing throughout the entire show. Uh, and, uh, the entire show. Yeah. Yeah. With the exception of a different triple threat match, as we'll get to, he says. I was going to say, when it, when it comes to the the Austin match, there's, there's only really two points where it feels like the crowd are in it. One is right out of the gate, because you have Austin, obviously, the entrance and at, attacking uh, Taker with the chair early doors against the pop, because then you know, the fans would believe, no, it's you know, the great equaliser sort of thing. And then a bit of the comeback towards the end, but yeah, it's um, they're, they're not really with it. It doesn't. Uh, it, it's not great to watch. It, it's a very flat ending with that uh, that d- the choke slam and double pin. Yeah, very. The, the whole show just feels very underwhelming. A lot of thrown together matches. Mero draws Bradshaw Vader. A lot of fucking cat Brad- matches. Bradshaw, by the way, with a vein in his arm. Yeah. Oh well, fucking hell, and a clean shaven face. Too. And what I'll say as well at Bradshaw in the Taker Kane massacre from probably the first week. Yes, it is. The first for some week. reason, during one of the segments, Bradshaw ambles down to ringside during someone's match. I'm guessing he's got a feud with them. Taker and Kane then come out. Bradshaw doesn't do anything, and somehow just disappears without getting laid out by Taker or Kane. Ah, curious that. Funny that. It is indeed. Of course, we were talking before about triple threat matches and great ones on this show. Let's get to the highlight of the show because, by God, this was the Rock's night. Uh, Rocky Maivia wound up as the wrestler getting the biggest crowd pop of the night. And, of course, we get uh, the double people's elbow and uh, Rock wins. This is just great stuff here. That, that this The highlight of the show is the middle with the, uh, the back-to-back promos from Mankind and Rock. Then the cage match. The, the, the pop for Rock's music is through the roof. The pop for the, the great wraparound DDT on Shamrock is great. The double people's elbow. I, I'm just watching this this whole show and just thinking this guy is a star he's there he's already there 
it's just a matter of positioning, but man, they're treating him. And, and there's the things like, they haven't really done all that much to overly babyface him. Now he basically, uh, I think, and he's there. Left the nation in, in the back. He wasn't really yeah, seen it. to be affiliated with them. Uh, he stood up to Taker and Kane and showed he wasn't a pussy anymore. So that's all, it. All, all for the while maintaining the same character. It, it, he, you know, he, he hadn't become smiling Dwayne Johnson no. or anything like that. He, no, he, he was still the same Rock, but it's just his interactions were with, you know, with basically taking the piss out of heels as opposed to baby faces. Um, yeah, the boos start for Ken Shamrock on this show as well, after he's been a babyface for quite a while. Yeah, but they, they tease that as well. They tease it with the, the they Austin. They teased it a little bit, and, and his reactions had... Tapered off a bit. Tapered off it. it was quite surprising to me at the time, because I, I remember thinking he got a, a pretty damn good reception. I know it was only sort of the 4,000 in like the, the amphitheatre part of, of MSG, but coming out of the Owen Hart feud, he's, he's still pretty hot at this point, so I, I was surprised at the time of the decision to turn him heel. He also, got, he also got a good pop when, I think, when they announced the match versus Austin. Yeah. That's got a good pop, but um, the, the line um, on the, maybe the week, I mean, probably the week before, implying that he wasn't the sharpest tool in the box, but he's the most dangerous, or whatever it Oh, was. yeah. So it was already, like, kind of leaning towards, like, you know... Not painting him in the most favourable light. Yeah, exactly. And Manipulated by McMahon a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and him and, I think him and Foley were doing quite a lot of you know, like he was designed for for rock and yeah, yeah totally. Oh, it was great. It was a great little acknowledgement when he does the double bell and he, and he gives him the two the two fingers. Yeah, and he takes the second pad off. It's like, oh, now he's actually acknowledges them as a pseudo babyface there. Yeah, like he's, he's given them what they want. So. <laughs> and then obviously the finish, which you're the like, finish is great. Yeah, so mankind is, misses an elbow from the top of the cage, which is fucking hysterical. <laughs> the reaction from the crowd is so funny. It's a mix of gasps and kind of like almost like. Broken laughter, it feels like. It was because, yeah, it goes like, up <laughs> You missed again. He starts doing a little bit of juke on top rope, and uh, yeah. JL's big enough that he's feeling the uh, Jimmy Snooker. Can we say that name on there? Yeah, I think he's, so. He's uh, channeling Jimmy Snooker, and he jumps off of this elbow and just misses and crashes and burns, and everyone kind of laughs, like, because it's Foley, and that's what you expect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course, I, um, great I, finish. I, I, I wasn't laughing. Great finish. Mankind hits Shamrock with a chair, climbs the cage, Moses just crawls over and gets the pin. And <laughs> Mankind's his reaction as he hits the floor and throws his arms up while Rock's music's playing. He just looks around. <laughs> it's about a minute after as well. <laughs> Jim Ross has to tell him, no, Mick, it's over, you've lost. So he just starts ripping his hair out. Of course. Christian debuts on this show, uh, disrupting Edge in the opener against uh, Owen Hart. Uh, with very poofy hair um, Bradshaw beats Vader Vader needed to have gone home months ago because this is ridiculous says Meltzer I didn't come here to wrestle a fat bastard I came here to fight him <laughs> Uh, and also, uh, as you mentioned, yeah, the overhaul, yeah, sorry, the overdone push for Billy Gunn here. And this is the show when I first heard the term that Billy Gunn is the best pure athlete in the WWF <laughs> and Jim Ross. Uh, note here is that people did not leave the arena happy live after the uh, the Austin loss. So we're going to go to uh, September 28th, Raw and Nitro, both shows live head-to-head. Vince McMahon uh, starts Raw saying there is no rematch with Steve Austin uh, after he has lost the championship at Breakdown, and he puts the belt around his waist and says he'd announce the new champ later in the show, and a ton of uh, police guarding the back door to make sure Austin didn't show up and attack him. Well, it wasn't the belt he puts around his waist, it's the smoke. It's, it's, it's belt, Austin's belt, that's which, right. Which he explains Austin bought for himself. Yes. So like, he's taking this, yeah. he's taking Austin's property. He, it's um, going up in one of the mantles in one of his homes. Yes. Yeah, I love that line. Next to all my trophies. <laughs> yeah, what fucking trophies. Yeah, the one that he made for himself as the genius that created WrestleMania. <laughs> fucking Mark. 
Yeah, anyway, anyway. And of course, this all does tie because it's the winged eagle belt they bring out later on, isn't it, for the coronation of the new yeah. champion. And the bulletproof casing. Yes, indeed. Southern Justice beat the New Age Outlaws when the Road Dog hits one of them with a guitar as uh, Billy Gunn had the other one beat. Billy Gunn is very angry afterwards uh, and accidentally hits X-Pac in his injured eye. Of course, uh, we didn't actually mention it on Breakdown, but Jeff Jarrett hit X-Pac with a guitar and got a uh, splinter in Pac's eye. Nasty splinter worked injury. It's entirely plausible given the make of those guitars. Of course. Um, so basically, Billy Gunn brushes off Xbox, accidentally hits him. He's, he's uh, blowing a gasket at Road Dog. Triple H in his wheelchair and China come out, but Billy Gunn blows both of them off too and later storms out the building. Uh, I guess, says Mel, so they recognise how short they are on singles heels these days. And uh, the plan right now is to turn Billy Gunn heel imminently on a DX and it's the same thing as why Shamrock's going heel as well they want new heels for Steve Austin and uh, Billy Gunn is getting a nod he's the one I'd be lying if I said I, I hated the idea of, of Billy Gunn as a heel or always you know desperate for in the other sense of him to stick with the, the with DX I was but generally sort of non-plus when it came to Billy Gunn I didn't really care either way yeah I never give a shit about you know like like rock like rock elevation, but at the same time, I was again excited. Like, oh, what can Billy Gunn become in this magical company with the magical Vince McMahon and his magical powers of making stars? Cause yeah, bought it at the time, and you know we see rock elevation. Reckon probably got D'Lo coming through at some point because he's getting a little bit of uh, idiosyncratic love now. Yeah, I was wrong, so what? <laughs> How about it? Uh, also on the show, we get the Owen Driver 97 on Dan, on uh, Dan 7, that sit-out fucking tombstone that once again has Dan 7's head fucking below his ass, drops him right on his head. Of course, it's a worked angle. They're, uh, they're trying to tease something with Owen Hart retiring. But uh, yeah, fake injury angle here. Steve Austin was not fucking happy that they did this at all. Imagine that. Yeah, and uh, said that he would have appreciated a heads-up from the people that came up with this. Uh, supposedly the idea is they need to turn Seven babyface into the going heel with Shamrock, but there's probably a lot more to it than that. Seven came out with the NWA and UFC belts if you're looking for a clue. I'm not really sure how to decipher that, because there was a previous note about how um, he complained to Jim Ross about not having those belts, and then obviously now he's got them back and that's got something to do with it. I was trying to see if, if any of you guys had the power of deduction there to try and figure out what the fuck that actually means. How long do they write them off for? Uh, he was gone. He was actually well. He came out in the neck brace not too long after this. I was going to say, although he's not working matches, he's, he's never off TV for any prolonged period or anything like that. No. But does he have the belts when he comes out of the neck brace? No. Subterfuge. A reason to have him on TV, but no reason why he'd have the belts. Oh, I see. It's too confusing. Otherwise, so you go with the. You, you can't walk down the injury angle holding belts. That's just confusing. I see. So you got the injury, Dan. Sell it. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, Al Snow pins Vader. On this show, uh, this 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 match is perhaps more, well noticeable for two things. One, Al Snow walks down the aisle and there's a sign in the crowd which is the Batman logo with a pair of testicles on <laughs> the bottom, which is fucking hilarious. And the finish, Al Snow pins Vader after hitting him with the head. Vader kicked out at two and a half anyway after being there on this pinfall attempt from Al Snow. Of course, the big thing on this show is the great angle with Vince McMahon and uh, Taker and Kane in the ring, and the Zamboni breaks through backstage. Steve Austin is here. Don't let him in here. Don't let, Don't let him in here. <laughs> As he takes out the audio cable backstage and uh, kills it for half the, half the folks <laughs> listening. Maybe he takes down the Titan Tron when he comes out. Yeah, he takes down the Titan Tron, rips down a, a lightning 
fucking stand. It's the whilst, ring. Whilst the workers in police, the whilst the workers in police uniforms as the Zamboni goes past, try their best to do his slow motion running after. That's <laughs> terrible, aren't no, they? It Fuck was, this police force. Hang on, it's, it's the beer truck that moves the Titantron, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the Zamboni. It's the ring, and then it moves the ring. Yeah, it moves the ring. So in the gym, of course, yeah, yeah. Austin gives the, the middle fingers, jumps over the top rope, clotheslines Vince, which is awesome. And, and Jim Ross just loses on commentary. Yeah, it's just like this is so good. And of course, Austin gets arrested. Yet Vincent Man bounding after him like a peacock as, as Austin's being taken away in the police car. This is so good. This crowd is so hot. Yeah, it's mirrored this to the follow-up to Goldberg dropping via taser, the belt via taser. Yeah, that's you know, sums up a lot of it about these two companies. I think. Uh, yeah, pretty much in a, in a nutshell, right there. Oh, Steve Austin didn't molest Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after this, Vincent Man uh, gets back in the ring and blames Taker and Kane for not protecting him, which was their deal, saying they didn't hold up their end of the bargain, so he wasn't going to hold up his. He then orders them to wrestle uh, for the title at the next pay-per-view with Steve Austin as the referee because he wants Austin to suffer the uh, indignation of uh, having to count the four for the new champion. Um, and then... It's just, then, it's just it, it's all this, this, the, the Vince rage, you know, you're both handicapped, one's physical, the other's mental. Physical, yeah, that's right, yeah. And then they turn their backs. <laughs> they turn their back. Uh, Taker says, if you don't double cross me again, or I'll beat your ass. He turns around. <laughs> no, no, no. So, uh, I, I remember it vividly. You're going to be the one handicapped. That's right. And they both turn their backs. It's <laughs> giving him the chance to do a double arthritic middle finger. <laughs> and Taker turns around, catches him, and punches him straight in the face. And then he mounts him and starts beating him up. Taker then gets up, and Kane joins him and starts kicking Vince's ass as well. And this, this, this is a weird fucking thing. Who's the, who, who's I, the face and heel here? I don't know, because the fans are going ape shit. They're going crazy. Yeah, ape shit. I fucking hate it, because like, Austin's your star. He's the one that... The only guy that should be touching Vince, Vince at this point. Yeah, you should be protecting Vince and building up his heat until Austin's the one who gets the payoff, not fucking take. I, I, I did always like the way that JR nonchalantly just said, Oh, he got caught. <laughs> 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 just, before, just before the soup bone's thrown. <laughs> Of course, this ends with a uh, Taker and Kane uh, breaking Vince's ankle with the ring steps on the outside of the ring. Um, the ankle is the same one he was limping on after being knocked out by Bret Hart in Montreal. It's on Wrestling with Shadows. If you don't think that one has anything to do with the other, you don't understand the way minds are working in this industry right now, says Dave Meltzer. So that's a curious little note there. Uh, yeah, so uh, he orders also Taker and Kane before this to go in a two-on-three handicap match against Shamrock, Mankind, and Rock for later in this show. X-Pac beats Val Venus and afterwards Goldust uh, video plays on the Titantron. The crowd seems to pop for the potential return of, uh, of Goldust. And in the handicap match main event that we mentioned, The Rock pins The Undertaker clean with The Rock bottom. Uh, Earl Hebner screams in the ring, 45 seconds to go! 45 seconds to go! <laughs> as, the, as, the, as, the, uh, as the match is wrapping up, you've got Jim Ross on country saying, we haven't got long on the air here, we haven't got long on the air! And uh, But yeah, they, they blow the spot and then they get back up, do it again. Didn't see the last two minutes of the show. Oh, really? So I didn't know the finish. Oh, no. You've got to see it. You've got to get back and watch it. So, yeah, it's, a, it's as simple as he throws him off the ropes, ducks the clothesline, catches him, rock bottom. Fans just lose it again. Clean. Like, clean in the middle, rock bottom. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Clean as a whistle. Yeah, just completely clean. <laughs> it's a shame this wasn't raised in the trial last week, eh? <laughs> but, uh... <Yeah. laughs> He's, he's pinned Kane, he's pinned Kane he's pinned and now Taker. he's pinned Taker clean oh, that's no shenanigans the start of this match is great as well because the three the three well they were faces they just start brawl, fighting each other yeah so then when the other two come out eventually they get on the same page 
But it's just, I, just, I thought it was hilarious. Just, you know, it's big show each other. <laughs> I, I didn't like hardly any mention of Rock being a more contender on the show. Yeah, I know. Uh, like, they, they do pick it up a little bit. They do. They say actually they they pick it up at the end after he's pinned uh, Taker. They actually say the Rock's the number one contender for the WF title, and he's just pinned the Undertaker. Yeah. Like it's like the the thing of you. Know, yeah, Austin's Austin's God in the middle, but the thing that you leave this show with is that Rock is the fucking man right now. So again, it's just, it's so fucking exciting, you know. It's like we've seen this new star for our very eyes. Over on Nitro, the same night, the giant no shows the date. He was not fined two million dollars or sued for that matter. It did open with Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan, Brian Adams, and Scott Hall coming out with a fucking horrid promo that we watched right before we came into this room with Hulk Hogan talking about how he's going to give the wood to Sting and Bret Hart. He tries to refer to himself as the wood several times as if he's the rock. And then <laughs> the woodmaster, I think is the name he calls himself at the end. It's what is that? He's stuttering and stammering all over himself. This is an abomination. He's got his sock thing on his head. <laughs> his voice is croaky as fuck. Yeah, yeah. This is not good. Um, Bret Hart—it's <laughs> a, a gross understatement, Liam. Bret Hart comes out uh, to a mixed reaction, and there's a pretty good promo here. Accepting Hogan's challenge, and the match is on for later tonight—the first ever Hulk Hogan Bret Hart match on Nitro tonight for free. Tune in, Warrior comes out he gets cheered coming out immediately was getting booed out the place with loud warrior sucks chants an awful segment uh i can't tell you how many people within wcw were predicting that by five weeks in the fans would be begging for goldberg to spear him and here we are <laughs> says dave Meltzer. uh the next horseman promo in the series uh, is here bischoff brings police to the ring pretty much immediately and takes them away so uh we are denied a great rick flair promo on this show unfortunately uh we get chris jericho versus goldberg Part two. Obviously, we had the first one at Four Brawl, and we got the Jericho One Goldberg Zero shirt. This time, the real Goldberg does come out carrying the mini Goldberg, and he spears uh, Jericho's personal security. Although Ralphus flees, Ralphus Ralphus makes it out alive. But uh, oh, the Jericho Holic Ninja, the Jericho Ninja, and Viva Last Jericho get double speared, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, fucking Ralphus is such a goof here. Like he's walking out behind Jericho, and he's like high fiving the fans and like you know putting his arms in the air like he's Steve Austin. Look, this fucking guy. Who is this guy? <laughs> Also, speaking of minor leaguing, the British Bulldog does a promo on Alex Wright on this show that is every bit as good as every Bulldog promo you've ever seen. September 28th, Nitro, folks. Go and watch it. It deserves to be seen. As he says something in German to Alex Wright and then says, that means in English, suck it. I'm sure he says pussy lick. Yeah, it sounds like it, doesn't it? That, that, that is what it sounds like. I just, you think we'd have heard it on the DSF channel at the time, you know? You'd think so. Which promo was worse on this show? Hogan or Bulldog? <laughs> well, Bulldog. <laughs> I think Bulldog. Just from the fact that, again, it's, it's that the, the outdated characters showing you what's cool by... And he was trying to be a face. He was trying to be that fucking so. rogue degenerate, the Bulldog. Bulldog is such a shell of himself. I, 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 so sad. Year to I, year. Uh, Scott Hall, the drunk Scott Hall, beats Billy Kidman on this show. So that's the end of Kidman getting over as a top babyface. Kidman, who had like some real momentum after the, uh, the four brawl turn and winning the Cruiserweight title, they just fucking bury him here. Scott Hall, who's doing the drunken thing, and they just, you know, Kidman's outmatched, he's a Cruiserweight working with a heavyweight, he's not in his league, he gets like a little mini comeback in because you know, Hall's fucking around with booze, and Hall just beats him clean with the edge anyway. It's like, fucking, get a clue, people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the main event, Hogan versus Bret Hart, winds up with Hart uh, getting his knee dropped on the guardrail twice by Hogan, um, again, it wrapped around the post and it gets, uh, and Hogan keeps working on it until Sting shows up. Luger and Conan drag Hart away on a stretcher. 
Uh, Scott Steiner and Bagwell jump to Conan and Luger. Hart gets off the stretcher and limps back. Uh, obviously, Sting is kind of replacing Bret in the match halfway through. So it's Sting and Hogan going at it here. Sting gets the scorpion on Hogan when Bret Hart limps in and gives Sting a DDT and destroys him. It was a plan all along, all this time. And Hogan and Hart laugh together at the end of the show. Hogan bows down to Bret. Bret massages Hogan's shoulders. It's all very invigorating. Um, Luger and Conan come out for the save, but it fell apart at the end. The lights went out, and Warrior was supposed to be running to save Luger and Conan, except they never got in the ring to begin with due to a massive miscommunication, and the show went off the air three minutes early without Warrior doing anything. So Warrior, they kind of hint that he's there, but we never actually see him, and we don't understand what the fuck's going on. The ratings are in. Raw does a 4.7 to Nitro's 4.0. Nitro, ending three minutes early because of the screw-up, gave Raw nine unopposed minutes that it likely would have lost, as in the 12 minutes before Nitro went off the air, Nitro, with Hogan and Brett, did a 5.15 rating to Raw's 3.8. Pretty low number there. But the three unopposed minutes round up with Raw doing a 6.1 overrun and therefore winning the night. <laughs> so congratulations, and, and, and you get all those eyes on The Rock because they fucked it up on Nitro. Unbelievable. Just, just, the idea that that had it not been for the for the balls, the notion that that show would have won yeah. night is just—it's mind-boggling. <laughs> it's, it's it's borderline offensive. Both Raw and Nitro have garnered more mainstream publicity uh, recently, stemming from how the Monday Night ratings have affected Monday Night Football. Uh, the Monday Night Football game drew a 11.1 rating for the Lions versus the Buccaneers game, which is the second lowest rating in the 29-year history of the show. The LA Times and the Hollywood Reporter both did breakdowns on more teenage boys watching wrestling than football or baseball this year so far, just to kind of illustrate just how hot wrestling is. This is not confirmed, but it does come from people very close to the situation that the Giant is either very close to or has already completed his deal to go to the WWF. He's been talking loudly about it for weeks, and something he's doing is more of a way to get Bischoff's attention and make sure the rumour gets started. But the rumour stems from his talk that acclaimed $1 million per year offer, and several recent threats to take it, which is quite a bit more than he earns in WCW. He also no-showed Nitro as we talked about, and the talk from his friends in recent days is that he's already gone. Not to mention his career in WCW has been stagnant for a while. So we've had X-Pac earlier this year, but this is looking to be the first big-time steal in the other direction <coughs> from uh, Vince. And again, through the um, naivete of youth, like, ooh, what's, what are they going to do with this huge talent who used to be able to throw drop kicks off the top rope? Yes. I'm not sure he'd have been throwing any drop kicks by this point. Well, no. Yeah, but he, I said he used to. I mean, I, I used you to know... <laughs> Okay, fair enough. But that was grammatically accurate. What what were you really getting he, at this point? Well, this is the thing. He, he's he's a dead he's a dead issue in WCW. But again, this is that period of time where a simple switch uh, oh, the, and, and a fresh coat of paint. Yeah, the the optics of it are, are great for the WWF. Of course they are. He's, he's the biggest guy they got by far. It, it looks like it's a rat jumping from the sinking ship. Yeah, but you know when he comes in, and as soon as anyone's Taker or Austin, even like. Oh, you know the idea of probably show going over, no fucking chance. What we're gonna let the guy, this glorified mid carder from WCW, walk in and be the biggest baddest cat in our company? Yeah, that's never gonna happen. I don't think you. The thing is, and, and I know we can say it with with, with hindsight, given the way he was treated when when he does eventually go in. But you know, it, take him out of the equation. It's a, it's a proven track track record just with Vince's mentality. Even when he signs the talent. Well, I can't make them look good because if I make that guy look good, 
it might give legitimacy to the other company. So even though this guy's making money for me, I'm going to break him down first. You know, it's you know, building back up. Yeah, you know, geez, they, they might switch channels. Oh my god, what am I going to do? Well, let's see what's on the other channel because it is no secret within WCW that the Ultimate Warrior is dying as an act and the realisation is that unless something is done quickly he's taking Hogan down with him. Uh, they still may do a good buy for the next pay-per-view although it's going down and not escalating with every bit of hype added to the mix. So that's the final note we have for September but I think that's a good one to close on because we talk about the kind of directions that things are going here but for both companies at the end of September as we, we head into October next week you've got Austin who's feeling hot still Lost the belt, but he's hot. You got Rock, who's red hot. You got interesting directions going on in the top of the card, at least, with six, you know, star guys and the Vince character, which is a little bit of overexposure, creeping in, I think, at, at times. But I think at this point he's still extremely effective. But over on WCW, on, on the, on the, I'm saying on the flip side, talking about overexposure, that is not something you could say they were doing with their world champion. At no, this point. we haven't <laughs> mentioned which, which, Bill which, Goldberg. Which is a common trend with their world champions who aren't named Hogan. I know, but <laughs> fucking hell, warrior overexposure, warrior. And Hogan is just fucking chewing up way too much of the scenery, and it's obvious now. Well, we, we, you talk about energy, vibrancy, and all the sort of things you get with with Raw and on Nitro. Yeah, it has the reputation for the the older established stars, but even so, the way in which they're coming off with Warriors Parlor Games, Hogan's hideous promos, and also the while the, Brett you know, fucking struggling, Brett struggling. I can't believe you mentioned Brett so much, and <laughs> and you just and you just sit there and think. The, the focus of the company is a drunk Scott Hall and because they're trying to work people and, and yeah because people know that's, that's real that, that means a hell of a lot to the 95% of people who don't buy the Observer newsletter at this point <laughs> it's you know they're, they're focusing on the, on the two guys that headlined Wrestlemania 6 <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. Hogan feels so played out by this point, I think. I just think, you look at these two shows, and it's kind of, a, I think we actually said this, Carl, back on uh, when he first launched the NWO angle with, with Hall and Nash, is that their week-to-week booking is really rinse-repeat, and it's not, you don't have the same progressive feel that, like, on the other side, you've got, okay, each, the, 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 the staple holding everything together is Vince has always got to come up with a different plan to screw Austin and get the belt off him. Yeah. Did it once and then Austin got it back and now he's going to do it. Now he's doing it again and obviously then they're going to lead us into Deadly Game and Rock. And so it's always Vince coming up with a plan to screw Austin in different ways and each week, okay, Austin will do something different. There's a week. development but, for, but for it, Vince's yeah. progression of his plan. And, and even though someone could make the argument of, well, much like WCW in 96 was sort of right, you know, 96, 97. We're riding the hot hand with the NWO and sort of the rinse repeat nature there. Someone could look at the WF and just say, well, it's Vince and Austin doing the same thing over a prolonged period, but it's the way in which other talent is interjected throughout. It's it's either, you know, it, it's Foley in the early stages of 98, then you go to Kane and Undertaker, and that, now you're going to bring The Rock in, you know. Shamrock's had a bit of involvement there as well, so, you know, the, the, sort of the fusion of talent, if you like, it, it's giving more of a, a, a spotlight two other guys that wouldn't normally get it in the same way that in WCW it's you know NWO with the same people still all the time I just think with the on the on the WF side the Vince Austin thing which you know incorporates all these other people you said it's got beats to it there's actually like there's a developing story that goes back and forth of you know Vince hatching a scheme to fuck Austin Austin either succumbing or overcoming then they go and then he has his comeback and it progresses whereas it's from the start of the NWA thing. It's very 
we've got the overarching feel to the show and then it's gonna the same thing each week it's almost like a you know the act each week and then it's a set piece a match will, well the Goldberg Hogan match match will get made out of nowhere Goldberg Sting made, match made out of nowhere there's no real Hogan Brett there's no the, real feel the, ma the match yeah. with no finish it's just like this over, the overarching Schmars. the overarching stuff is like this it's, it's Hogan is the overarching story but before it was Malone and fucking uh, <laughs> Rodders Rodders Rodzilla <laughs> And now it's Warrior. It's so the, the overall, and even the Warrior stuff doesn't progress. It's just no. the same thing in different situations, which is kind of like the NWO thing, which I was saying rinse repeat. That's what I meant by it. It's just the, they're like the two narrative formulas are kind of diametrically opposed in many ways. Yeah, and that's not giving credit to Vince Russo because he's proven he's a fucking idiot. Just want to say that right now. Yeah, and and the thing is, whilst on earlier timelines, we yeah, we, in many ways we defended WCW for yeah, whilst the. The television seems stale to us. Even even at the time, this isn't just retrospect. Yeah, by mid '97 we were saying this, right? Yeah, even at that point, you can defend it to the point of it's the context of a war. They're currently winning this war. Why do you change your winning strategy? Prisoner of the moment, right? Yeah, absolutely. By this point, you can make an argument for changing tact because <laughs> they're not winning every week. We've seen. You know, pay-per-view numbers drop a bit when you, with the mention of the fall ball there for example they've seen the way that Warrior is floundering and who's he, who's he involved with whilst he's floundering <coughs> the Woodmaster yeah the Wood the, the Woodmaster <laughs> you might be able to raise the wood but apparently can't raise the ratings <laughs> um, they, yeah maybe they can chalk it up to a miscommunication that they lost 4.0 to 4.7 in the final uh, Monday night of the month but the numbers have dropped, and there is evidence there that there there is a you know a reasonable argument to make to say, okay, we're still you know relatively strong from a numbers standpoint. But things you know there's there's enough warning signs here to try and change tact. I just don't think they know any different. Well, the thing is, okay, we're three three months out from Starcade. What's the Starcade match main event this year? No, no idea yet. Exactly. It's like I don't even know what fucking Goldberg's doing next week at this point. Oh, who? The um, Rock's account, Ira. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. At least when it was when we said it with the the, the Sting build, Starcade '97. It was although that was rinse repeat each week. At least it was like feeling like it was going. Although the, the narrative wasn't really changing too much till the end. It was at least we knew where on a road. At least we knew where it was going to end. You were at least building to a match you hadn't yeah. had yet. Wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Like, what have we got now? Hogan Warriors, what we're building to. Fucking hell. Yeah. And we'll see how that fares next uh, next week on the timeline because we are returning to this. October 1998 is what we're talking next week here at SCG Radio. So uh, thank you very much for listening. That pretty much wraps us up for the timeline this week. A lot of interesting stuff going on here and uh, I'm very eager to see. We're seeing a lot of things coming together. Everything that we just mentioned there there's a lot of the uh, kind of the fallout comes in October, so uh, very much looking forward to doing that next week Do here at SCG Radio. So thank you very much for listening for Cole Jones, Adios amigos, and for Kieran O'Rourke. I am uh, Liam O'Rourke, and we are out of here. Talk to you next week. Know your role and shut your mouth.